Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk Footnotes. I'm one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my friend and your friend too, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how are you doing, buddy? Good, man. How are you? Good. You know, big weekend. It was a huge weekend. <laughs> oh, what could that be? For what reason? <laughs> I don't know, Chris. Maybe some uh, some uh, young gentlemen ran around in uh, collared shirts and, uh, or no, they don't wear collards anymore on their shirts. They, but uh, shorts and knee socks and kicked a ball around. Field. <laughs> occasionally they do, they do have collars still yes depends yeah. but uh uh well it was a big weekend for that too actually but yeah i know what you're referring to yes how did you enjoy the, the main the mainest weekend. of main events yes the biggest weekend in the most punk adjacent physical activity <laughs> professional wrestling uh happened this past weekend uh, it's now become the south by southwest of professional wrestling as uh, a lot of other events pop up. Uh, but I've, I'm talking, of course, about WrestleMania. But you know why I'm bringing that up on Turn It A Punk, Chris? I think I know what you're going to say, but I'm just going to say no. Okay. Well, there was a cameo on WrestleMania. <laughs> yep, that is what I was. Okay, go on. If you look closely, uh, while Braun Strowman was looking for a tag team partner in the crowd, yes, I know, it was not the highlight of the show for me, uh, you will have noticed that getting out of the way of the camera very quickly, very professionally, was the king of the punk wrestling connection himself, <laughs> Robbie Brookside. Yes, which you uh, you had posted on social media about this, so I, yes. I found it very amazing. And that was That's the highlight why of the weekend for me. It is pretty amazing. I mean, you know, it's it's no small feat to be even featured for a millisecond on WrestleMania. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've, we have had former WrestleMania stars on this show. MVP, of course. Okay. I haven't watched it in so long. I don't know which of the wrestlers that you've had MVP. have been involved. MVP nice. was, uh, was definitely on uh, several WrestleManias, but, you know, featured prominently in that. So, you know, we've had, and, and hopefully one day we'll have more. Because there was some other <laughs> punk involvement this year. Sami Zayn. <laughs> yep. Who we talked about very recently uh, is the plug for Jesse Michaels from Operation Ivy getting tickets. He does have an Operation <laughs> Ivy tattoo. He skanks to the ring. <laughs> Chris, this is your favorite wrestler, I think, out of the gate. I think everything you're describing sounds amazing, and uh, I, I, although I'm not familiar with it, one day perhaps I will expose myself to seeing these things, yes. I think that's it, Chris. This is like my next mission is to get you back into wrestling. <laughs> it's going to be hard work because uh, I don't uh, – I don't – it's not – I have nothing against wrestling. I love wrestling. As a, as a younger person especially, I was majorly into it, um, but I don't know what it is because there's just some things – I it was weird. I was watching a little bit. I don't know what even it was. It wasn't obviously WrestleMania. It was some kind of, I don't know, SmackDown, whatever plays during the week. I don't know what it is. But um, you and don't I was just pretend watching. you don't know Raw and SmackDown, I, Chris. Well, I do, I don't know which it was. Okay, but it was one of those shows. Was it a Monday night or a Tuesday night? I don't. It was a week night, but I don't remember which. Um, 
but I was watching with the sound off, like kind of away, and I was just trying to get a hold of like what was happening, and I, yeah. I couldn't, yeah, couldn't like, really follow. It would be like if you suddenly were like, "Hey, I'm going to start eating meat again," and you were like. <laughs> Yeah, I went to McDonald's, and I don't think I like hamburgers anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, that's an interesting uh, – that's a great analogy, actually. I don't think it would be that much because I like wrestling. I just – No, but that's I honestly – like... But I think that's like – you know, like – and this is no, not to undermine any of the talent within that company. But what they're catering to is the McDonald's of tastes, you know? It's the – I get what you're it's saying. It's the pizza yeah, out of okay. pizzas. You know, yeah, and I'm not I saying that I love Pizza Hut sometimes. You know, there's sometimes where I'm like, "Fuck, let's go to a Pizza Hut all you can eat buffet," and then I regret it for the next three days. But you know, <laughs> I do have those moments. Yeah. Um, you know, but th- that's what it is. It's catering to like the masses. Whereas there's wrestling out there, Chris. That's for you. Yeah. See, I think what it is is I never when uh, I shouldn't say every like I never I've always liked wrestling, but I never. Um, it's the word I'm looking for. I never got into like the underground wrestling stuff because I think by the time that really reared its head where I would understand what it was, I was sort of past it. I was interested in other things for whatever reason, culturally mm-hmm. or, or counterculturally, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, and then just stuck to the main gigs because I, you know, I feel like the last era of wrestling that I experienced was a pretty phenomenal era, which was like that last end of WCW, WWF, blah, blah. And so it was kind of like even watching the mainstream stuff was pretty satisfying um, until the till the one demised and then whatever the one company went and then it turned pretty terrible. But um, it, it was good. But you, you go back and watch that, Chris. I don't know if it holds up that era. Maybe not. I think for me what it was was I liked a lot of like uh, – you know, in that era, from what I remember, like NWO, like I liked mm-hmm. some of those wrestlers a lot. Yes, and I like like the first wave rock. Yep, like with with the nation, that kind of stuff. Yep. So that's what I mean, like Gold Dust, fantastic, like all that kind of stuff. But, but there's like a lot of stuff when you go back and watch it now. You're like, ooh, I don't know. Like I would say that we're in. This is like the '77 <laughs> onward. No, this is more like you know '78. Now we're kind of in. For professional <laughs> okay. wrestling, you know? Yes. Like, this is the best period. Yes, but what I would say for myself and my sort of, you know, increasingly boring adult tastes is that uh, to use the Operation Ivy analogy, which you mentioned earlier, I'm not sure if I heard Operation Ivy today if it, the impact would be as great as it was to me 20 years ago or, or earlier, let's say. It's funny so you that's bring up my a... only fear is I don't want... Well, no, go on, go, go on. on. Yeah. No, that was it. I was kind of done. That was no, it. well, you know what? We can dive into this Operation Ivy, and believe me, hint, hint, there will be a reason to talk about Operation Ivy on <laughs> Punk Footnotes very soon. Uh, but they're one of those bands that, like, man, without them, I don't see the sound sounding the same. You know, like, there's nothing that sounded like them before them. And I don't know if they would, if they're, if Punk would be the same without them, you know? I agree. But I also think it's very um, – it's also very time and place. I think the records are sound from what I remember. I haven't listened to them in a good while, but I remember always enjoying the records. But I don't know if my ears hearing that now at this age, it would it would you know fill me with as much like a, of, of inspiration as it did when I first heard them is what I'm saying. 
basically, I think I'm the wrong age to be seeing some of this stuff now. I don't think it has the impact it would have had. That's what I'm trying to say. That's my excuse. Chris, I'm telling you, buddy, you watch Will Ospreay versus <laughs> Matt Riddle, and, and you'll be moved. You know, you watch Shane Strickland <laughs> uh, versus Ricochet, and they're they're like it's there's just like you know on the level of watching you know like a fight scene in John Wick or or like watching uh you know like Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon or like you know like any Wu Ping kind of wire work like Dreadnought I guess like early I get what you're saying yeah but there's Crouching no, Tiger was a better analogy but yeah yeah but there's no second takes. And there's no there's no stunt people, there's no wires, and it's just <laughs> it's like the purest form, you know. Like for fans of action movies and fight scenes in 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 martial arts and action movies, professional wrestling is the the theater of that. Yes, of course. Because it's it's, yes. it's just purest form. <laughs> yeah, yes, I love how absolutely adamant you are in all of this. But yes, it is funny that I just you and I are not on the same page on no. this one. It's not not I'm not trying to be resistant. Even it just it's just yeah, it's not hitting me the same. <laughs> but no, you you are, you're in good company too. Like you and Ian Mackay are both <laughs> on the wrong side of this debate together. Hey, listen, listen. I'll if okay. If we're gonna play fair now, which I'm gonna play fair on this. I'm equally as uninterested in skateboarding. I'll say that much. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, so, well, <laughs> so, you know, as as much as they both have influenced me at different points in my life, I yeah, I'm I'm equally uninterested in both in my boring adult years uh, as they approach ever so quickly. Well, uh, I can't agree with you more on no. Actually, I, I I've gotten more interested in skateboarding because the kids are super interested in skateboarding. Yeah, you have. So exactly. I started watching videos again and. Skate videos are amazing always. I, yeah. I will say that. Like yeah. and and your you know, the I think even something like King of the Road is actually pretty exceptional. Yeah. Uh that did get me mildly enthused again fairly recently. But for the most part, I just mean I just it's hard to have enthusiasm for things that I feel like are sort of in not not they're in my past in the sense that I can't participate in them if that makes sense. Well, you just missed out on the biggest weekend of the year. <laughs> so I didn't miss out on it. I heard all, I heard all about it from multiple people. I just knew nothing <laughs> what they spoke of. <laughs> well, yeah, but I was I was giving you like you know they were telling you about who was playing the main stage at South by Southwest in you know downtown. <laughs> I was telling you about all the bands that were playing the clubs. Yeah, I didn't want to hear about Coldplay. I needed to hear where Poison yeah. Idea were playing. Yeah. Exactly. You want to hear about where yeah. the Poison Idea and and Darby Allen. Who you know named after Gigi <laughs> Allen and Darby Crash, uh, yeah, uh, got injured real bad, and they had a oh concussion boy. and missed out on most of the weekend. So fallen punk wrestling connection member. I feel like that though is in very in keeping with the moniker. Oh, dude, he is like the embodiment of. If you were like, I wonder what it would be like if Gigi Allen and Darby Crash had wrestled. Um, but we're straight edge. <laughs> I never, first of all, let's just put it out there. I never wonder that ever, <laughs> but, well, you, but do, also, you don't have the imagination. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it'd be very filthy. That's the only thing that I could first think of in my brain. Yeah. There's, he doesn't shit on people in the crowd or anything, <laughs> but he does. There's a lot of blood. There was a lot of blood. 
Um, and, yeah, it's it's bizarre to think that that meeting never occurred. I feel like if if Darby, Darby Crash had, and Gigi Allen meeting with yeah, each other, if I that think, had go on. No, I was just gonna say if he if if Darby had lived longer, I bet you that would have happened. That meeting, not the wrestling, just the the meeting would have been this epic. Oh yeah, like debauch, like I don't know I whatever don't know. you want to say. I think Darby was like a lot more of a poet's soul. I agree there too. Yep. You know, That's like, a fair point. I think Gigi fashioned himself a poet and an artist too. Like once again, not never meeting either of them, just being uh, immersed in the <laughs> culture around the two Yeah, uh, for years. But I don't know, like I kind of get the, the take that, you know, though Gigi fashioned himself that Darby kind of was that deep down. I get what you mean. Yeah, there was, you still kind of see that mold of people who aspire to be that tortured, uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, poet. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, like I think. Yeah, I think Darby follows in the uh, the kind of like footsteps of a like a Jim Morrison type. Uh, yep. And whereas I think Gigi Allen falls more in the footsteps of like an Alice Cooper type. <laughs> I think that's even. <laughs> but, but real. I I think Alice Cooper's way more straight laced. I would say. Well, oh, in real life, yeah. But, but back in the day, I, he was fucking crazy when he was like drinking all the time. And I guess I don't know. That's not what I think of. But yeah, I suppose you're correct. I think there's someone more debauched that we're missing here that would have been a better comparison. But yeah, I guess it'd yeah. also be Jim Morrison. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, this, this analogy does not work. Okay, let's no, move on. No. Yeah, let's move on. Okay, now finally into today's episode of the show after our sports segment to start the thing off this week. <laughs> um, yep. uh, Chris, I guess we before we get into uh, the Autry uh, Fulbright the second episode, which uh, as I said on in the intro, one of the coolest people I've met in music, like legitimately one of the coolest people i don't i'd never met him so i i can't verify this but yeah the interview is cool mm-hmm. i never uh he definitely sounds like even just mentioning people like zach in the interview or like how you spoke of him it's kind of bizarre that i never like somehow in my previous you know life of doing this kind of like traveling whatever with a band thing never encountered them or him at any juncture it's kind of bizarre well, I guess it was just like, yeah, because I guess, uh, but I don't know, he, he wasn't in trail in the very beginning when you were touring with Alexis, and I guess, you know, did Alexis and trail ever cross paths at like South by Southwest? Not that I know of, no. Like, it, it's, even in those years, like, because they had their first, like, what, do you know what year he's in the group by? I think it's 2008. But let's just, okay, so it's it's much later than yeah. Let's go the, the resource because I might be totally off on that now. Well, I'm on it now. I just don't know which. Uh, let's see what records he's on. Instruments and performance, and it looks like no, it is later. It's like 2011. Oh, 2011. But we met him on tour. I oh no, there's that. yeah, 2011. Sorry, go on. Um, no, yeah, because he's, he's in 2009. He's I think he's playing with them, or at least he's on doing backup vocals, maybe on that. Uh, uh, the Century of Self record. Gotcha. Uh, well, it's just funny. Like when I think of this group, I had like even looking at the resource. It's amazing how much they've done. Like I only really remember the earliest stuff, 
and not because I'm just the guy that always says that, like an annoying, you know, person. But I just I have the first three records, and I remember them in that era. I don't. I haven't seen them like in ages. It's kind of crazy to hear that like you two talk about playing together. I never even was aware of that. Yeah, we played together. Well, like I think one time they were playing a different room at the venue we were playing. Like they were playing like the big room the next day or something, and it got or they played yeah. the same room the next day and got there early. Or and I, we hung out with them there, um, and then. You know, just like I guess over the years, like yeah, like we played in Japan together, and then Austin, Texas together, right afterwards. Which, my gosh, I had like a, a freak out, a nervous breakdown. Um, it was like not necessarily the best trip for me. <laughs> okay, actually, no, no, that one was good. Sorry, no, that one was good. No, it was an earlier time. I I was already smoking the weed by this point, so. Uh, I was chill on this tour. No, this one was was fun. Like we went from Japan playing with Dinosaur Junior, Trail, and uh, Thurston Moore was playing the next day. Got into this ar- ar- argument with him in the <laughs> hotel, as you are wont to do. Yeah, I was a little drunk, Chris. <laughs> I was like, I don't drink ever, except in Japan, um, because there's no <laughs> weed, and also it, it's like. It, the, the only place that I find they have alcohol drinks that I enjoy are like ones that taste like tea and things like that. But, uh, and I don't, re- I don't know why, but I just don't seem to find it as, I don't know. It's just Japan is the only place I do it. So I was <laughs> tr- pretty drunk during that debate as well. But it was a fun ass trip. I would, uh, I would love to hear that debate as I've seen you have lengthy discussions with other uh, <laughs> subculture icons. I'm curious how that one went. Uh, it was like, well, where do you th- where do you stand on this crucified issue? Like, obviously, Dante, friend of the show, you know? You're, you're asking me personally right now, or you're saying it third-hand? I'm asking you personally. Which one do I like better? Um, well, it's difficult, because it's uh, very what, chicken and egg. What's so the definitive my... version? That's the better way to put it, I guess. Well, I first heard of the song, obviously, via Agnostic Front. So my my initial gut reaction is to say that their rendition is, like, whatever, is paramount for me. However, um, you know, like, the record... I'm trying to think of what they actually recorded on. I know, I know it's on the live records. What other... St- records that they record is it actually on liberty and justice i th- think it is i think i don't know if it is I, the reason. I can't remember all the record well, i think it is if i remember correctly but um but that record like as a as an lp weirdly enough i don't think that record um i've never liked the production on that record first of all and it is on that record from 87 so that version doesn't doesn't jump out to me but i'm quite positive I the just live version is though to definitive. yeah the live version exactly so it is on live at cbgb which is probably one of the most impactful records that i've ever had yeah uh and that's what stands out in my mind when i think of it but you know and the iron cross version like it's obviously you have to credit the originators but for me yeah it's it's a weird debate because I don't like the idea in my mind of someone who didn't kind of create the song, making the song like known or, or sort of 
bizarrely taking ownership. Not that I think that they never get credit or whatever, but um, I yeah, just think I'm gonna, like they I'm like, say agnostic front. Yeah, like I would say, like I love Iron Cross, you know, and I think though yeah. that band is incredible, and like that's not to take away from their song because it is no, their song, yeah. but like it's just kind of like uh, here comes the night, you know, like that had been covered by David Bowie. Of course, them, like Van Morrison's them, was the originators yeah, yeah, yeah. of the song. But, like, the rivals do the definitive version. Yeah, no, that's true. It, it, there, there are these, you know, exceptions where the, you know, the cover is better than the original or whatever you want to say. I think the Agnostic one's a little different because the song, when you get into that group, especially at an early age, is definitive as, like, a signifier. And if you don't know... Like, you know, any deep stuff. Now it's a different era, I suppose, where you would be able to see this quickly or look it up or, like, compare both versions or whatever you want to say. But but I didn't know for years, like, that that was even a cover because I didn't really look in depth at the liner notes. I had live CBGB on a cassette, like, when I was very young. And, um, you know, just like, yeah, that was, I don't know. It was just, I didn't quite even understand, like, you know, fully the idea of, like, their interpretation of like skinhead related things, but I knew it wasn't awful. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it just embodies something that the original didn't account for. Not that the original could have, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes sense. I get you. But yeah, so for me it is, but I get people who would say the opposite or whatever. I think, you know, the other the reality is like you and I both have that single as well that has it on it, like mm-hmm. the Iron Cross single. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like great record, but you know it's not the it's not the you know it's not the most raging, uh, whatever uh, execution of the song. So it's it's hard when you when you've heard it the other way around first. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, we've had a lot of debate. <laughs> We're not even in the yeah. mailbag. We're already here. <coughs> Excuse me, everyone. So let's uh, let's dive on in there, Chris, to that mailbag, uh, and then we will dive into the Autry episode. So let's. All right. Let, what are we going to go first? This okay. Week? Well, we got a lot of punk rock love song or hardcore love songs. Pardon me. Um, related emails. Um, the first starting from our Norwegian correspondent, who we haven't heard from in a while, and, and uh, I'm very happy to uh, have received a message. As are you. Yes. And Welcome back. Cal. With Cal, shout out, yes. But uh, he, of course, sends in something fantastic. But he just mentions that he's been a bit out of touch as he moved recently and uh, had a lot to deal with. With uh, He says here, thousands of LPs and seven inches, etc. Only imagine. Which, That's like the nightmare. Yeah, I, I've only done it once. I know you've done it like twice, maybe, I think. Three four. times? Four yeah. times? It's awful. I vowed actually that if I ever had to do it again, I'd just get rid of everything because yeah. I uh, it's that much of a pain. But um, regardless, aside, he writes and says one song that we missed, and my pronunciation of this is going to be atrocious. I'm going to try my hardest here as a as a note. Uh, but it's called Barn of Reg- Regburn and spelled R E G N B U E N. The song is called Till Ellen. In brackets, he puts in English for Ellen. And it's from the Export Platter EP. Sorry, what what was the... Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. That Barn of Regburn is the band. But um, I don't know this. You were aware of this. 
yeah, this is one of the one of the great hardcore comps of of uh, all time. Like, I think this is like, I, I think this seven inches is, is ridiculous and incredible. And wow, it's surprisingly cheap on on the resource. Oh, wait, no, that's because they don't have covers. <laughs> yeah, you, you always got to check for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you always got to check for those. But <clears throat> it is one of the. Yeah, to me, it's one of the all-time great punk comps out of Norway. Uh, I think it's got bands from a couple other countries. But uh, one of the bands on here, if I'm not mistaken, features, uh, I believe, Hank, right? from. Turbo. You had mentioned this. I'm trying to look it up right now. I'm trying to find it. Where is the comp? I'm looking under appearances. Where do it's we have not this? Eller... Uh, uh. Let me see here. No. Anyway, um, I don't there know. There was I don't some know connection to Turbo from that comp, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Cal's going to have to write and correct me on this one. Yeah. Um, but I could have sworn, if it was on him, then someone or someone from one of the lineups is in something that was on that comp. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I, they're, they were all, whatever, in previous bands or what have you, so I'm, I'm not shocked to hear it. I just don't know offhand. And I can't find the comp to look up. I don't know why. But anyway, um, great email as always. And you were excited to, to hear the song shouted out, so that's why we made sure to read it. And, of course, to yeah. shout out Cal. Yeah, no, he is – He is. He's, sorry, this band that he's on, he was in uh... – um, was uh, Akut in Legalasius A K U T T I N N G in Um, anyway, I uh, sorry, I N N L E G G E L S E. Apologies to anyone for that mispronunciation. Uh, but yeah, they were they are on that comp as well. Um, with uh, Hagen, and you're saying Jürgen. you're saying this this is Happy Tom's previous group or this is Hank's previous group? Happy Tom's. Did I say Hank? Well, I didn't know which one. I can't remember if Happy you specified. Oh, this. and they're also I totally forgot. But they're, yeah, they're also on Cleanse the Bacteria. Oh, that group is yeah. yeah. Huh. Did not know. Yeah, Interesting. I totally forgot that. Either way, that's another. Two, that's the other one that's like one of the best hardcore comps of all time. Yes, of course, curated by one of the greatest minds to yeah. to uh, to do it early on, especially. Um, but yeah, I th- anyway, great me- great uh, message. Thank you for writing. And anything we need to correct, feel free to you know write in. We'll mention that, especially our terrible pronunciations. Yes. <laughs> um, what do we have here? A uh, quick message from uh, listener Spencer writes in to say that uh, they created Spotify playlists to Google Music. Oh, amazing. And, sorry, added the Spotify playlist, as in the ones that Damien is doing for each episode or what have you, to Google Music. Anyone can find them by searching Turned Out a Punk on Google Music. So uh, most of which it seems to be able there. He, he mentions one song that he wasn't able to find by Chris Bear, Aloha, from the Abdullah uh, playlist. But other than that, um, trying to coordinate it so it's in cross-platform for anybody who is, you know, whatever, 
in desire of not using one or the other. Very much appreciate that. Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah. Uh, we have another message here regarding hardcore love songs. Oh, also, wanna... I'm still finishing up the Autry playlist. I apologize to everyone who's waiting patiently for that. I, it is coming soon. I will finish it. <laughs> Better get on that. All right. Here we go. Uh, this uh, listener, Dan, writes in uh, related to hardcore love songs. If, quote, I've Lost by Judge isn't a hardcore song, I don't know what else you would call it. Perhaps a breakup song. There is a line in the title track to bringing it down that has a weird love song relationship to drama too. Something like when it hurts, when it hurts, will you take the pain? Why am I under observation? Something is your love. I don't know what he's re- anyway. Something about love is for free. I don't know. I'm reading that wrong, but it's. It's typed weirdly. Uh, it would be a stretch to call them romantic lyrics, he writes, but they are a bit more sweeter than a song like Modern Love, so- Love Story Pardon me, by Youth of Today. And uh, he writes here, <laughs> they're definitely contentious, uh, I just want some skank and what's your problem by the Circle Jerks could be misconstrued as love songs too. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about yeah, the first. So. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so... Uh. That's like, a, you know, I love living in the city could be construed as a love song in that sense, too. I'm not sure I agree with that. But your take, Dan. Yeah, like I think, uh, I don't know, Judge Judge to me have always had this like burning inner sadness and like there's like a deep emotive quality to Judge that I think like I've always loved, you know. And that, that of course, carried on with the storm um, after this kind of period. But do you remember reading... Did you ever see that Lost and Found bootleg of uh, Chunking? No, I never had it. It's got like this weird liner notes thing about Judge breaking up, and it's it's like Mike Judge is like he's like beside Porcel, and it's like he's been crying, his eyes are red, and he's like, I can't do it anymore, I can't put up with this violence anymore at these shows, and it's like, yeah, that's right, like Judge is like the super emotive band like you know you don't want to say emo because that now has so many other connotations with what like stylistically that means but like you know in like that dc sense of emotive like judges like a truly emotive band well i remember there was a minute there before like all the reunion stuff these days but like where i remember reading interviews with him or whatever it was definitely wasn't from that cd or whatever or reissue whatever it was but or bootleg more appropriately likely but um but uh i remember just like yeah his his take on it i remember hearing similar things to what you're saying about him like wanting to call it quits and he's always seemed like a guy who was fairly conflicted so i don't know i like i i hesitate to to assign any meaning to some of those lyrics of which i don't know but uh, I don't know. I could see it with Judge, but I, I, I don't know. Judge is a motive. I'm not sure if those are love songs. That would be my caveat. Yeah. No, I, I, I kind of, uh, yeah, I don't not think of them necessarily as love songs. You're right. Like they're more just like, like uh, super emotive, emotional songs that are, yeah. are are raging youth crew and arguably, yeah. yeah I don't know. Like you know, they're they might be the best band for me. Out of that wave, <laughs> I know you're you're a big fan of. Judge. I love Judge too. I don't know, I don't know. It's t- I, I 
it's it, I don't like these choosing the best. <laughs> like you got it, Chris. I don't like this these absolutes. No, I know you love to do it. I'm not. I'm not gonna go there. They're great though. Love Judge, but uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, I like the shout out Modern Love Story by the way because I think that for people that know the song obviously and for people that kind of like know the topic of which we're broaching here modern love story is exactly kind of what we're not looking for in terms of the idea that that's more of like commentary we're looking for like genuine like you know because it's such a bizarre um pairing usually of like a hardcore punk song that's genuinely a love song that's what uh, at least that's the spirit of what i think we were trying to do dame with bringing this up initially yeah i think so as well Let's see, uh, you know, like it's, it's gotta be like a certain style. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on that tip, next message, we have, uh, another mention, um, mention, uh, sorry, listener, uh, Anderson writes in, says he's been listening since week one. Can't believe this is the first time they're writing in, but it's pretty much a pop punk song. But it is the Cro-Mags, so, and he writes, Cro-Mags without her from the Revenge record of 2000. has got to be one of the corniest songs ever, he writes. Enjoy. Uh, this Revenge record is uh, contentious to, I think, a lot of people who are very specific to their Cro-Mags tastes. Yes. Uh, I don't know your thought. We never really discussed Revenge or Late Mags to that degree. I don't know. But... Uh, is Revenge the one that has all the demos? The no, contentious it's, it's demos straight on, up, on the end. Oh, I don't. That's a good question. I can't remember, but uh, not. I'm looking it up here. Not that I can. Oh no. No, no, no. It looks like it's straight up all. Because there was another scene that, that came right around the time of Revenge. I remember that had, like, that had all like the. Uh, the the demos and stuff on it on like its bonus tracks. There's hard times in the Age of Coral, which I don't know if that's what you're speaking of, which kind of seems to have everything. But might have been. But Revenge is like seems like a legit whatever one off release or what have yeah, you. Yeah, that's when it was him and uh It was Paris and uh Paris, Yeah. Yeah. And and uh but I could have sworn there was like something where it had some bonus tracks, but no, I guess you're I guess I'm compl- What is the song the song he's referencing is Without Her. Yeah, it is on here. Track six. I honestly can't remember this. I own this record, and I cannot remember this song. But uh, I will take your... Uh... Anyway, do you remember it? I do not remember this. I'm trying to... I remember when this record came out. I remember it not being terrible. I think if you have a soft spot for Curl Mags, all Curl Mags is a go. But yeah. that's my genuine feelings. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I, I can't speak to this offhand. I haven't listened to it in so long because I tend to only stick to Quarrel and Best Wishes because I'm that guy. But Or the demos, pardon me. But um, good show. I don't really but I get into Best no. Wishes that much, to be honest with you. I'm like kind of the demo in the first record. <laughs> I have heard you say this. I've heard you say this on record even. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Which is uh, on on one of your early uh, mixtapes. It's one of my favorite live banter bits where you guys are covering. Uh, I'm trying to think of the song. I want to say "Survival of the Streets." Maybe. No, you're covering "Crush the Demonic." Maybe. Yeah, I think so. 
and then you you say something to the effect of I only I only mess with <laughs> like first wave mags or whatever. It's very funny. <laughs> for for nerds out there who want to look for that tidbit, I believe it's on the first mixtape, maybe the second mixtape, but it's very funny. And uh, yeah, uh, great. Email you know, but I was like, I, and that's not to disrespect. Like I recognize Harley's place in punk history, and that's not you know these records are, you know. But I remember enjoying Revenge when it came out. Um, but yeah, there, I'd be lying if I said that, you know, I, I was beyond the first demo and record. Yeah. Well, I don't think anyone's shocked to hear that from either of us, really. Yeah. But, uh, regardless, great message. Uh, interesting, uh, to throw that hat in the fire on that one. Uh, another listener here, Josh writes in relatively new, been going through back catalog, listing old ones, new ones, loving the episodes, helped me get through a shift at work, can't keep up with the music recommendations you write so that's all you dame i'm not going to get any credit for that uh regarding the topic of hardcore love songs the two that came to mind were punk rock love by the casualties which is more of a street punk probably and true romance off h2o's last album h2o sonically are not necessarily hardcore I don't know about that, um, but our contempt—that's me commenting. Pardon me, but our contemporaries with and are always mentioned in the same breath as many New York hardcore bands. I'm also a frequent user of the resource. <laughs> Cites it as the resource in the message, Dame. That makes me proud, actually. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering if either of your collection is on public. Uh, that's a question for Damien. Anyway, um, do, 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 do. it's just, yeah, a little bit of that. And saying that this collection's up there. Anyway, keep up the good work and such. So... What are we debating here, Dave? What was your take off that? Um, uh, first of all, no, my collection is not public right now um, because uh, I haven't finished adding to it. There's a lot of stuff not in there, but yeah, I don't know, maybe one day. Um, also, I just don't really have time to kind of trade and, and get into that stuff. And yeah, not, not that I have every record that people want or anything like that, but I know I've got a couple of records that, you know, when I was on trade list that people would always hit me up about. And anyway. A lot to deal with sometimes, um, but yeah, there's a there's a lot of my records on there now. Um, I do have a box though, as Chris, you know about that's uh, not on Discogs, and it's always yes. surprising what's not on Discogs. Yeah, I've I haven't. I mean, I do not have the <laughs> the endless vast you know whatever treasures that you have. So I'm shocked that you found as many because there's a good amount you have that aren't cataloged, which is wild to me. Well, I just think it's like it's one of those things where it's always surprising what is on there. Um, yeah. Like Lauren's band's demo was on there. We found out today. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And but then there's like uh, records that you'd expect would be on there because, you know, they're very common. And, and as far as being, uh, uh, you know, but but yeah, did not. Unfortunately, uh have the opportunity to uh, find all these records on there yet. Well, uh, in due time. In due time. In due time. Uh, as far as the other parts of this email, uh, H2O, I definitely think they're a hardcore band. I think there's like a sonic, melodic barrier we're talking about when we're talking about this because we're talking about like specifically blazing hardcore kind of vibe like you know, like, obviously my band would not fall into this category. Uh, however, if there was an Urban Blight song, Chris, 
hint, hint, wink, wink, that you are not telling us about that Beave wrote that's secretly about his love for Marianne. Um, then, <laughs> no. Uh, then, uh, you know, but the urban blend is what I'm saying would fit into what we're talking about. Like it kind of, you know, we're talking. I think, about, I think, I think, on. I think fucked up would, and I think fucked up does have ones that touch on it. Oh, we definitely do a hundred percent, but I don't think we, maybe there's that like song. I think it's like the B side to the secret seven inch. That's like, are you us? Are you them? That I remember writing as a love song. Uh, and that was like still when fucked up was like, you know, maybe close enough to the raging barrier before we fell on the wrong side of the melodic barrier. <laughs> Those are your words, not mine. No, I don't, I'm just kidding on that. But I mean, like, but there is like, you know, like his lifetime. We could have like a whole lifetime. God, like every lifetime song is like a an unrequited love song or lo- you know thing. And Descendants too. We could have Descendants on here. And just talk about yeah, that's a great. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I get what you mean. We're, we're looking. Yeah, the the spectrum we're looking sonically is why it's a it's a, it's more rare. Is yeah. is what I yeah. gotcha. But uh, H2O, good mention though. Great band. And, uh, uh, like that first record to me, uh, it, it's like one of those like records that I don't know. Like it, 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 I think it's like underrated. There's so many songs on it, and it was just like so many incredible guest appearances that just have such a uh, a strong place in my heart yeah same when it came out it, w- it made an impact on me as well a big one um and yeah for sure like it was a, i just remember being very very uh i don't know just inspired by hearing something like that like i think it was i'm trying to think of the song i'm looking up the song titles now it's either here today gone tomorrow one of those at the time i just remember thinking like yeah. this is so right on yep <laughs> oh every and, like i'm looking at this uh, like, oh my god, what a fucking track list this record's got. Like, yeah. yeah, but it was like when I was 16 and this record came out, it was like, yo, we got this. Hardcore kids are going to take over. <laughs> yes. And they had, uh, they had branded very well and their merch was very, very, uh, did, like, like, um, stood out. So as someone who owned some of this stuff at the time, it was like, it was sick. It was sick to have some H2O stuff to it, rock. The H2O jersey. Yeah, I did have it. I sold it. But yeah, I, I still have mine. <laughs> Do you really nice? Yeah, I got. Yeah, you know, look at this. Like, yo, like what a sick, like the like going through the. If you go to the CD version of the album, yeah. it breakdown. It gives a breakdown of all the guests on this, and it okay. truly is like for a '90s like hardcore kid this is like the ultimate rap record as far as guest appearances go <laughs> it is nuts yeah stigma <laughs> dickie barrett tim ensign civ yeah yeah it's it's wild matt oh, yeah jimmy yeah it's it's jj oh wow i didn't even know i had no idea jj was on this record that's wild yeah doing doing backups but nonetheless armand yeah uh like what yep. a what a like what a lineup Yep. This was popping in 96, for real. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is, uh... This is, uh... <laughs> I just noticed... Man, I can't believe how many versions of this record came out back then. Like, they were, like, probably... Uh, <laughs> they, were they, they were just, like, super popular out of the gate, I guess. 
I guess. I don't know. Blackout Records was a big label, too, at that moment. Like, remember they had that deal with MCA for Sheer Terror, where Sheer Terror was on a major? Yeah, I don't know exactly. Like, I, I have that, the Sheer Terror, I think it's like Love Songs for the Unloved. Is that the major one or yeah. is it one before? No, it's that one. But yeah, I didn't know. There's some kind of weird, yeah, like intermingling. Damn, what a label Blackout is going through this. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. We, we will save that for another episode because this is going to be a very long one at this rate. So let's move on. Yeah, Blackout 1, pretty exceptional. Um, what do we got? Next message. Uh, next message is a quick one. Another love song mention. Kid Dynamite SOS. Do not know this song. Damien, are you aware of it? Uh, yes, I do know SOS. And... Uh, you know, once again, Kid Dynamite, fantastic band, love them. Uh, you know, right from the demo, loved them, um, but are on the other side of the melodic barrier to me. Gotcha. For what I we're talking this. about here. Yeah, that was a list. Sorry, listener Eric, thank you. Yes. Next you. message, trying to go through them real quick here. This is a short one. Festivals. Festivals can be trying, especially with uh, with a family, but fun, fun, fun was pretty amazing. Night shows they put on were a great bonus. Any other festivals that you are aware of in a similar vein? The Fest in Gainesville, he writes, question mark. This is Chris, and it's not me, Damien. It would be amazing if it was you secretly writing emails <laughs> yeah. to footnotes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just to pad the mailbag. <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad reading Not yet, anyway. Go on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as far as family vibe festivals, like if we're talking around Canada way or, or certainly local Toronto way, uh, or surrounding kind of area way, I should say. The Hillside Festival is incredible, which is in the Waterloo, Kitchener-Waterloo area. Um, they have like a daycare, basically, you can drop your kids off at, and they will lead them on this parade, and the kids will have like the best time. Like I brought our kids there a couple years ago when we played that. So, And the lineup was great. I got to see Shadowy Men just after us. You know? Nice, it was nice. A, yeah, what an incredible kind of like fun show that was and and i think i remember if i remember correctly gord played with the sadies that day too and yeah it was like a real special kind of experience that show also field trip in toronto's got a pretty good um you know like uh family kind of thing going on as well they have like a family stage with kid artists performing i got to play there a couple years ago once again not as much punk oriented fest um, I'm trying to think Riot Fest I don't know if there's any stuff for kids at Riot Fest I don't know this is all you buddy I, I'm not <laughs> nor do I have children nor do I go to festivals really go on uh, but Fun 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 Festival was like one of the best festivals I've ever I've ever been to all those years like the lineups were always ridiculous uh, Graham and just did you know like what an incredible job booking it it's like basically booked by a hardcore kid right like so it would have, you know, all the big name artists that you would expect to see, but then it would always have killer reunions like Chain of Strength playing on the same festival where you're like, you know, seeing uh, uh, Grimes and, you know, like someone else ridiculous. Like, oh, there's also like this thing happening, you know, and uh, I went down there a couple years ago and did uh, they had like they, they did the bobblehead when they, it was the pink eyes fucked up bobblehead. <laughs> they were the people that kind of commissioned that, you know, for it didn't show up in time for the autograph signing, but I still had to do an autograph signing with nothing to sign that day. 
Um, wow. But it was always uh, uh, an amazing festival. Sound on Sound was the spinoff kind of like – or festival that the same people did. And that was a ridiculous good time as well. I know they had some problems and had to cancel this year. They had some problems the year that they did it with rains causing stages to sink. But my gosh, that was a fun festival. Got to see like Youth of the Day. Got to you know do a live podcast down there with David Up. Unfortunately, because Chris couldn't make it. Well, I didn't mean unfortunately. David Up did it. I meant unfortunately. <laughs> I was going to say you couldn't make it, Chris. Fortunately, David Up could do it. Um, and yes. it was a lot of fun. Great festival. Uh, punk rock bowling. I've, I had a fun time every time I've done punk rock bowling. There's 77 festival in Montreal now. Pooza Fest. Uh, rock Fest, which is ridiculous. Like the time that I was there, it was a very, it was one of the more incredibly wild festivals I've ever been to. But they have always an un ungodly ridiculous lineup of of everyone like they have tribute bands to punk bands playing chris <laughs> wow yeah it was nuts like the year we played it was like rancid Madball, uh subhumans uh just like you know maybe blink 182 screeching weasel just like uh, a real mishmash of bands, to say the least. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, but there's there there are some good festivals out there. But I know what you're saying. With kids, it's difficult, and also, you know, festivals are festivals are hard. Festivals are sometimes a an ordeal to get through. Oh, for sure. And I don't even have like a family going, so I get what you mean. Yeah. No. With yeah, like God, even going by yourself, it's trying sometimes. <laughs> yep. Unless there's like a one day there's going to be festivals with weed and I'm going to really enjoy it, but ah <laughs> uh, yes, of course. <laughs> Take a minute. Take a minute for that that moment to come. We got one more email here that's a kind of a special one to your recent appearance on the best show that I want to oh, get to. Yes. Before we end the show, it's from Mitch. Uh, it's a really good one, and the title is Jack Black Vandals Rabbit Hole of Punk Connections. And general punishing. <laughs> uh, he writes, he's uh, was happy to meet you at the best show. A couple episodes behind the podcast, wanted to chime in about the Jack Black episode as the Vandals were one of his favorite gateway punk bands as a kid. They have tons of weird connections and intersections too, such as School of Rock, Tenacious D ones that Jack mentioned through Warren Fitzgerald. They also feature on a record, uh, sorry, on record, a couple of favorite drummers in music. Period, he writes. Josh Fries and Brooks Wackerman, formerly of Bad Religion, who he claims uh, he feels it was responsible for their creative resurgence and now Avenged Sevenfold. Um, he also mentions here, Mitch, that he is a drummer who fits into the mold of what we previously described in the episode where one who does not play any other instruments, as in we're strange breed and definitely drum nerd weirdo. Uh, that said, Freeze is definitely a top five favorite active drummers. Damien, you were right in saying uh, the only one remaining member of the band is Joe Escalante from the Vandals, that is, uh, the main drummer until 88. He's now a bass player. He has been since the late 80s. He's also probably a member surrounded most by the controversy as evidenced by a quick wiki search. Um, the Weird Connections... 
uh, for me usually stem from Josh Fries, who provides one degree of separation from the Vandals to things raging from Devo to Disneyland to Nine Inch Nails or Sting. Anyway, that was his message and uh, was full of uh, goodies relating to the last few episodes and including previous callbacks of which we've discussed. Well, yeah, Mitch, it was amazing to meet you as well. Um, Obviously, being on the best show was a great experience. And, you know, finding, you know, someone at the best show wanting to talk about Turn Out of Punk just was like a cherry on the top of this uh, Sunday. That was one of the best days of my fucking life. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, Mitch, it was awesome to meet you. Uh, I Yeah, Brooks is someone that I don't think has come up on this show before. Uh, Someone I got to tour with because he was drumming for Tenacious D at the time, but in that family that Brooks is from, the Wackerman kind of family, it's it's a who's who of of drum royalty. Okay. Like it's his brother played with Zappa. Wow. And uh, I'm trying to think if there's like another brother in the family too. Uh, he's really cool. I when we went on tour with, it's going to sound like we were like on tour with Blink Twenty Two when it was more like we were happened to be in the same country at the same time, more or less, because they were on a different day of the festival. Um, but they were... Uh, he was drumming for Blink-182 uh, Blink on that tour because Travis couldn't make the flight due to, obviously, some trauma experience on a plane before. So they had Brooks filling his spot, which is amazing because Brooks, you know, like, no disrespect to Travis because, you know, that dude can fucking play... But also at the same time, Brooks Brooks can play. But the thing is, like Brooks doesn't necessarily look like Travis when he's playing the drums. You know, like he's, Travis has got like covered in tattoos, and like you know he's got like these ripping muscles, and like you know, and they obviously had all the cameras for the jumbotron mapped out in advance because they would go to this kind of like over the top, you know, very clearly, you know, drummer of Blink One Eight Two signature kind of shot and it would just be brooks in his like gap t-shirt playing drums <laughs> but that dude killed it on those <laughs> fucking gotcha, drums yeah. if you close your eyes you, you'd swear you know it was travis that guy can be any drummer you know and in addition to being like an amazing drummer himself he played suicidal tendencies nice. he played suicidal, he's playing suicidal tendencies too i don't know this is all news i'm telling you get on the we should get but, on the yeah. resource right now uh, it's if he did. But <laughs> I got him. I got his Regardless. page up here, Chris. You got his page up. All right. What have you found, brother of Chad Wackerman um, and John Wackerman? Uh, Chad Wackerman played with Frank Zappa. <coughs> I haven't dubbed into. Uh, but yeah, I haven't dubbed in, jumped into the John Wackerman discogs yet. But he did indeed play in Infectious Grooves and Suicidal Tendencies. Wow. Yep. And Bad Religion. And Bad Religion. Yeah, so there's a few. <laughs> and he's played with the Vandals, and he's played with Tenacious D on tour. Um, one of the best drummers. Nice. Like, it seems like if you couldn't get Josh Freeze like to do something he would be like this is the guy you got to call gotcha fair enough i think that's what he's highlighting in the message yeah very interesting regardless but yeah that's the mailbag all wrapped up my man wow he he did vocals on live fast diarrhea 
You think he tells people that? <laughs> I don't think it's his first credit he gives people. <laughs> yeah. He played with Chilted Johnny? <laughs> on the uh, Generations compilation? Really? What? I don't know. that. I'm not looking at his thing, but... You're looking at the appearances, what have you? Yeah, I'm looking at the appearances, and, and it's on the Generation, a punk look at human rights. Which Infectious is- grooves. Wow. Yeah, I'm just looking at them now too. Um, but yeah, I don't see a lot of this stuff. I don't. Wow. What's he? He's on like a corn record. There's uh, a corn yeah. credit here too. Dude, he he played. He's played. Oh, Jilted Johnny was the name of the Vandal song. And he played uh, all that. Okay. Anyway, regardless. Well, this, the, uh, this song, Jilted Johnny by the Vandals, has him and Josh Freeze playing drums on it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wonder if that's like totally like a big business Melvins type thing. Yeah, maybe. I never thought of that. Wow. All right. Chris, we got we to gotta move on, buddy. We're going to be. Yeah, yeah, let's go. We're going to be on like a, a three-hour show. We're an hour in, and we're just diving. This is old school style. Like we've been flying through these episodes recently, but now, yeah. woo, we're back to these late nights. Chris, got this always. On. I got this THCA that I'm smoking, dabbing, so I can go all night, buddy. Don't worry. Uh, all right. <laughs> let's move on to the today's episode. Yes. What do you got? What do you want to start with here? Uh, well, I once again, um. You know, like, uh, a, uh, you know, an amazing bass player, someone that, you know, is obviously a very thoughtful person about music, and I think he's presented us, Chris, with our ideal sort of episode. It goes all over the map and gives us lots of places to go. Um, I don't know, like, what do you want to start with? I want to start with uh, Trans Syndicate Records. Yes, I which... was hoping you would say that. <laughs> Which was a great mention and a label I hadn't thought of a lot. I've always thought Trans Syndicate had an amazing logo. So I never knew much about them, though, actually. It's funny. And then once you guys started like really discussing that whole topic, uh, I was never aware that it was like a member of the Butthole Surfers that did that label. I had no idea. Um, so I have um, uh, this paintings record, Born in Blood, which I've always loved from '90 which apparently, according to the resource, is the third release they ever did. But uh, I never knew much other than the paintings related to this, although I don't know the Cherubs, which you mentioned. No, you don't know the Cherubs? No, weirdly enough, never got into. They're one of those bands that, um, you know, it's 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 it certainly is like a, a smaller cult. Yeah. But I would say it's like almost like the cult that exists around, you know, and I think maybe their cult's gotten bigger than some of these other bands now, but like the cult that exists around Harvey Milk or a cult that exists around, uh, you know, like even like Halo of Flies. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah. But very local. But the Cherubs thing is is definitely gotten bigger over time. They're like, it's not the seven inch, maybe it's this LP. They've got one release that goes for like big money. Okay, cool. But yeah, very cool label. Like when I started to like look into it again. Again, a lot of it didn't jump out other than like that I had that and, of course, Butthole Surfers-related stuff once I realized. But, uh, yeah, interesting little uh, tidbit. 
I thought it was funny they tried to get <laughs> well he thought of the idea of trying to get him to resurrect it to put out <laughs> Trail of the Dead record or whatever. Yeah. Um, well they did a Trail of the Dead the first record. Well no, I know. That's why it's funny. Like that when that first record came out, I forgot that that was on it. Yeah. I remember the first record and then when I looked up the because I couldn't remember the years that these came out. And it's funny when you think about it, like that first trail that did came out in 97, which, you know, is long ago now. But I thought this band was like firmly, you know, in the 2000s. And they are, they continue. But I didn't realize that first one was as far back as 97. I thought it felt like that was like later, much later. Yeah, like I don't but, think I got into them until uh, that second record when they started kind of yeah. blowing up a little bit. Exactly. The Madonna record was the record that put them on, and and I remember seeing coverage of them. And I like this Madonna record; it's probably my favorite of the the three that I know. But um, I did get that previous one, and it, it's cool. But the um, yeah, I just never realized the association. That's super funny. But the Texas connection obviously makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And it's crazy when you think about like Jeff from uh, Butthole Surfers owning. Or at least at the time being like one of the key people in emos, owning emos, and like, you know, King Coffee, of course, doing trance syndicate. It's like, man, they they're they're like kind of like a, a fabric of underground culture in Texas in a way like, you know, like maybe Ian McKay was or or that scene was for DC. Yeah, see, like I wasn't even aware of that first point you mentioned. I I didn't know that. That's crazy didn't know the the emos connection there either that's crazy but um but yeah of course like it's not a surprise in a way to me because they you know they're one of the whatever pioneering groups of that region so to speak but it's just yeah it's just funny i never realized that this label was founded by uh <laughs> king coffee i didn't didn't know that that connection and just the releases are insane too like about oh, yeah. record and like really kind of neat it's it's touches on that idea of like these bizarre little i shouldn't say little there's a fair number of releases but these 90s kind of labels that i don't feel exist anymore in a way like they did then yeah yeah no definitely i think that's the uh that's the sad thing is like we're kind of at a at this like weird moment where you know, some of the best stuff uh you know it kind of gets lost because there's just so much stuff out there and so you know, luckily we have this show where we can go back and just uh, and and revel in the past. <laughs> yes, of course. But yeah, cool mention. What do you want to get to? Uh, let's go on to the uh, point. Let me call up my point list. This is uh, the most boring part of the show when Damien can't find his notes. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I'm trying to find if I can touch on another quick little one here based on what you're saying. I mean, we've we've delved a lot into SST on this show. I believe we even did it with the Daves one episode, if I remember correctly, where we really get into, uh, uh, you know, how many quote-unquote misses the SST catalog has, which I feel you guys discussed pretty appropriately yeah. <laughs> in this interview. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, you know, yeah. I think it's it's a brave label in hindsight, but I don't know how much of that I want to revisit. Well, because we've done a deep dive on that before, but here's something that I think hits home for you as far as label goes that we've never done a deep dive on, but he brings up, which is uh, Gold Standard Labs, the infamous <laughs> GSL Records. We haven't really talked about Diego. that. Uh, it is not 
It is not uh, as impactful as you would think to me, but yes. Um, interesting label for sure. Uh, of course, I believe, wasn't the dude who ran that the Locust guy or something? I can't remember. Yeah, it's the guy from the Locust. Okay. Yeah. But um, interesting label. I, I don't have the majority of this stuff, but the thing I always thought was very interesting about this label was like the lengths of... Uh, whatever uh you know like how they would present the records like some of the records that they put out like the crazy like uh because isn't there like a five inch locust record too stuff like that it's just all these weird ways of releasing records or what have you, you um, know, it, it wasn't it was owned by sunny k i know that's what i thought and i'm just looking at it now wow. i thought initially it was someone in the locust that ran same it but here. i guess not yeah same here but no it was it was sunny k um, no, oh, that's amazing. Okay. Wow, he became uh, wow. It's got a very interesting kind of history in music. Yeah. So, I love that of, fucking Angel Hair record. Yeah, I don't know that one. I have this VSS record, Nervous Circus. That's a cool record. But um, what was going to say? Anyway, GSL. Yeah. Um, Whoa, this is mind blowing, and it turned into a punk thing. He also uh, he was also creative director for an LA based. Uh, Sergeant House Records. His collage art and or graphic design has adorned album and CD sleeves for bands including uh, Omar Rodriguez Lopez, The Mars Volta, RX Bandits, Red Sparrows, The Locust, DJ Nobody, Glitch Mob, 311. Wow. There we go. 311's got Big it. time. 311 now brought into the, the mix. <laughs> I think... I'm looking at the the GSL catalog, and I think like the GSL catalog has, you know, a very a prominent releases up to about 2000, and they kind of loses me a bit. Not to say that the stuff they did after wasn't any good, but, um, but I remember like the ones I remember, of course, the Locust stuff that came out in that era. Mm-hmm. Uh, Out Hood's good. That first Rapture is actually quite good. Even though I don't like what that band turned into later, but um, yeah, I don't know. I this isn't like I like some of this stuff. It's not my be all and end all, but it was very interesting at the time. Stuff always looked cool. I'll say that much for the most part. Wait, so the first Rapture record was on GSL? So far as I can tell, uh, I just want to make sure that that's correct. Well, Gravity did the first LP. But I definitely, where is this? It's like a single. I just want to see how far back it goes. Because Gravity's LP is 99. But the, that single I think is earlier. I think it's 98. Um, why is it not showing up on their main thing? No, I guess it's weird. Oh, 98 was it. the first pressing. It was on... Uh Himinal sound. Okay, there we go. That's right. It's so it's re- reissued by GSL. Pardon me. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so more or less same deal. Like the fact that they were in on on that level. But that's a cool single. And I Am uh, Bender was a it was like another band that had like a, a moment too. Yeah, there's some there's some interesting stuff here. I think like Chick Chick Chick. Yeah, that group in particular I find interesting as well. I like their LPs. Um, yeah, it's 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 decent. I don't know some of the stuff, but some of it was interesting for sure. But 
Yeah, interesting label. I find this is one where I think it was like a seemed to be a really big deal at the time. Yeah. And it seems to have completely subsided. I, I don't know why that second or third act has not come, but I'm kind of amazed. Have you ever heard the Beautician record by Dead and Gone? No. On GSL? I wonder no. what it's like. I gotta get I gotta check that record out. That band that band's underrated. That I don't know them. Don't De- know that. You don't know Dead and Gone? No. Ah, oh, Chris. Never got into it. Found, a, found an open Christmas present under the tree, buddy. <laughs> Crack it open. It's All right. Be a good ride. Total uh, Chris Callahan core. Ah, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but they are they are raging. Like to, uh, future members of Talk is Poison. And ah, okay. look nice. back and laugh, I believe. Yep. Of course, Brian. Well, I feel like a lot of this stuff was probably whatever the seeds of some of that latter, like you're mentioning now. Again, I don't know all these connections and bad with knowing who was in what band for a lot of the stuff, but yeah, like they were around in '94, and then they wound up on GSL, like you know, six years later in 2000, which is such a short period of time. But in the '90s, felt like years. Which yeah, was oh, yeah, years, but it felt like much longer <laughs> years. Like decades, you mean? Yes. Yeah, decades. <laughs> wow. And also, their first seven inch came on a vinyl communication, which is a label that I don't think we've ever done a, a, a real deep look at. But yeah, that's a wild label for San sure. San Diego label that's of great importance. We did, I believe, do a little bit of it on the the Bob Bruno uh, footnotes. We think we touched on it. Maybe. I don't know. Did we? Because I maybe we talked about it. I just can't believe we. I, I can't remember us not talking about Kid Six Hundred Six or something in relation to this label. Well, we that we never. I don't think we touched on. But yeah, who mentioned that recently? By the way, was that this interview or was it a previous one where that came up? I think it was the last week's. I think it's a previous interview. Yeah, because that was a funny mention out of nowhere. It was yeah. cool, but um, anyway, um, I met that guy one time. Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What did I meet him? Oh. <laughs> I, I don't know. Sorry, I did think you? I'm now, now I think I'm making up stories. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say about GSL other than what we're saying. So I don't I know. know what... it, 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 GSL is a cool label now, but now I've I've distracted myself and I'm staring at the uh, <laughs> the uh, vinyl communication uh, discogs page. Let's put it on the right. first heroin oh, record. I think we did get on this. I'm going to look it up right now just because I don't have that at my disposal. Maybe we did it on – we might have talked about MM&D um, on, uh, on the San Diego episode, the John Reese episode. I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, there's – we definitely, I think we talked about this because I mentioned the Artless 7 inch once, a pretty positive on here, which they released. Tit Wrench, which of course is like this very kooky, kind of questionable <laughs> project now in hindsight. A lot of weird, like weirdo stuff on this label, which I like personally. But, um, but then like straightforward stuff like Cringer, which is the pre J Church yeah. band. Um, yeah. And, uh, you mentioned like something like Kid Six Hundred Six. There's like Lesser, which is sort of like the the evil counterpart, I would argue, to something like Kid Six Hundred Six as far as like West Coast electronic weirdness. 
yeah, a lot of like I don't know. There's a lot of interesting stuff on here, um, but I don't have the vast majority of it. I cannot believe how much they released. I, and I, to be honest with you, there's like a lot of holes in my knowledge right now that I'm realizing. When yeah, I'm looking at this. Yeah, dude, it's deep. Like we, I, I don't want to get into this now. It's too wild, but um, but it is a great label and uh, mostly overlooked i think as well unless you're really into this kind of weird stuff or else you'd never think about it yeah well they put out the haters yeah it's wild like there's tons of cool little things like that men's recovery project even like there's that hannah tarash hannah tarashi however you want to pronounce it which is a single i have fantastic from 96 um yeah tons Mersbell records Speaking of that, shout out to the MERS box. That's for the Daves. Yes. Um, but yeah. Like, what about the suitcase? Is that the suitcase? The MERS box? No. We we got to the bottom of this. The MERS box like, came with like oh, a... Oh, yeah. That was right. Yeah, there was a different one. There's also and the of CD course, car. Yeah, exactly. Yep. The uh, And of course, your faves, 97, Lockweld released uh, a CD by... Um, yeah, there's just a lot of interesting stuff on this label. And, of course, the aforementioned Kid 606. Don't Sweat the Techniques, 98. All right. And Psy Warfare, 98 again. Shout out again. <laughs> Psy Warfare, too. <laughs> yeah, that's a good record, actually. Circle Gets a Square. Cool looking, too. I'm not anti-Psy Warfare. I know you're not. We're, uh, we're, we're talking real. Real talk now. Yeah, I got, I got, a, I got a lot of Psy Warfare records. In my, uh, in my I got a few little collection. Yeah, I got a few. I think there's what's the one that come, came with the lyrics for "Seasons the Size of Days." Ooh, I don't know that one. I don't know what. I mean, you have so much weird, rare stuff like that. Maybe it's one of those. I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I bought it from Dwid at the show they played in uh, England one time. I think it's the. Candyman 7-inch. Huh. From 99. Yeah, it came with a red plastic bag, and it came with the lyrics for Seasons the Size of Days. Yeah, it says it on here. All versions come sealed in a red plastic bag. Contains two sleeves, a silk screen, cardstock sleeve, printed paper, hard embossed sleeve. All copies include a lyric sheet for the integrity Seasons of the Size of Days. Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. That is wild. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. Uh, I don't know. Pretty gnarly. It's pretty. Yeah, it's a pretty lo- gnarly record. Locust Furnace Records, ninety nine. It was released. Um, yeah. So vinyl communications, which was sort of a side <laughs> to what we were uh, discussing. Yes, that was definitely. Uh, we got distracted. Sorry. Chris. Yes. I don't uh, know if that was your point or mine. It's been such a dive. I think it was my point it was my point okay let's go to um trying to find the list of things he writes about here i don't know anything about that vanishing life band aside from what i was hearing in the conversation so it's him zach and and walter and who else Uh, i'm trying now we got to look it up but anyway, I just find it funny that it's two. Now you've had all of them, I think, guessed it on. No, I think I'm still, I'm still missing the who. I've got to find. Oh, sorry. The, the, yeah, 
Um, was it Sammy was a drummer for a minute for them? Wow. For stuff. Oh, I do have a point, by the way. Go on. I do have one that's a sidebar very briefly to what we were mentioning earlier. I should have brought up in the mailbag, and I forgot. I said there was a, one I wanted to mention this punk rock love song thing. I just want to make sure. Would Poison Ideas taken by surprise not be considered from Feel the Darkness? Um, yeah, but I think maybe just to get away could be too. Yeah, either or, but taken by surprise, it's a, a very little sketchy more. love song. <laughs> but either so way, Jamie Miller is the drummer in, uh, of course, for uh, Vanishing Life, who plays in Trail of the Dead and also Bad Religion, as well. Gotcha. It's amazing how it all like Bad Religion. It's like it all comes back to Bad Religion. Yeah, well, they and he also played in Snot <laughs> on Get Some. Oh boy. I remember that record. Oh my gosh. That is a uh, yeah. That's a record. Um in the interview I want to make a correction, which will be the talking point, I suppose. Okay. Um you guys are talking about the the like the weird era of shelter of which he is he is experiencing where he's talking about them having a horn section and, and ska period and what have you. Yeah. Um, so you in the interview say that's mantra era, which is sort of correct, but not entirely because mantra is a decent record, not a great record, but uh, as far as I remember, does not have any ska on it. Yeah. It's beyond the planet earth. Beyond Planet Earth, yeah. very much does. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Now I'm, and, I mixed up which one. I just yeah. wanted the video. Yeah. And, and uh, so I was just laughing because I thought in my head, like, I'm actually trying to think. of like, Mantra, I don't remember that being. But, but yeah, I did remember immediately that, that Beyond Planet Earth record, which is um, an interesting lesson. Yes. To say the least. Yep. And uh, to add insult to injury, a terrible looking record on top of that. <laughs> but, Probably like the worst looking record <laughs> in a band yep. that I don't think ever like broke the uh, broke the uh, the the charts for album design. <laughs> no, true. <laughs> but Very that true. is that is the one that stands out. The uh, from what I remember that the the part of this catalog that's funny to me is Mantra is like sort of the you know Roadrunner releases it ninety five it's it's sort of in keeping with like sort of what's going on and like in like whatever alternative music so to speak becoming from the more of course like punk centric thing and I do remember Mantra being a, a decent record Beyond Planet Earth is clearly this like. I don't know, very swinging for the fences, weird, <laughs> like, let's make a, I don't know what, like, more or less ska record. Yeah. Uh, and then, from what I remember, three years later, that record went 20 summers past, I don't think it has any of that on it. Like, I think it's, like, back to, like, if I remember correctly, unless this is a comp. But I remember, like... I'm just looking no, at No, 20 Summers Pass was like a, a record. Yeah. But it's it's just like this weird thing was like, oh, we did this. And now we're back. Now it's back to normal. <laughs> like, like I, I love that. Seeing that in a band's catalog, it's very amusing to me. And this is one of the funniest ones I find. 
personally. Yeah. yeah, there's like, and you know, like, let's we we long have said hardcore was immune to this. It's quite common in hardcore. <laughs> Bands that do the departure record and it's like, <laughs> no, we, we we meant like, lay, we're still the same, and then like, you know, we could even. <laughs> Excuse me. We could even name friends bands that have done this. <laughs> I'm not going there. That's that's you. That's no, all I'm not going you. there either. But I'm just saying we could. <laughs> you know, we're but we're you know it's just kind of a well. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, of course. Go on. Same. Same Chris. I don't know what I'm talking about either. Let's move on. Anyway, what is your thoughts on Beyond Planet Earth or anything there? Any anything to go off? Or, or we nailed it on that. Um, I I actually. <laughs> I'm looking. There's a there's a shelter seven inch from the period of whole wide world, where on the cover, the flip side, they do a cover of "We Can Work It Out" by Lennon and McCarthy. Oh boy, McCartney. Can you imagine McCarthy. how good that must be? <laughs> uh, that must be a, <laughs> probably a probably a ripping cover. Here's what's even better about this, and we have before had a segment. Those who listen regularly. Uh, where we mentioned about how there was still availability for colored baby global vinyl. Uh, and I feel <laughs> in this single only came out as a CD single in Europe, the Netherlands and the U S whole wide world. So this is our, if we had like whatever our top like fun wants from footnotes, this would be my second right under baby global on pink. And I don't think it ever came out in the U.S. I think it was promo only in the U.S. It says. That's even, there you go. Then <laughs> we want that even more. Diff, different different cover, by the way. Did you see this? Different yeah, cover artwork. Totally different cover artwork. It's the sensitive dyed blonde hair cover artwork. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, we gotta, yeah, please someone send this to us. Oh, wait, no, there's different versions of the CD with like different track listings. Like, you definitely want to get. The only version of this you really want, Chris, is the one from the Netherlands. Uh, which, no, you don't want the one. Oh, yeah, the one from the Netherlands has a whole wide world, shelter, man or beast, but it has the end of the millennium mix on it. Yeah. Um, and nice. then it also has we can work it out tacked on the B side. But, like, <laughs> the one from Germany that came out, or the European release, I should say, is just two songs. So what you need, Chris, on your want list is uh, the Netherlands version of Shelter Whole Wide World. And it's, it's you know, affordable. So if people want to send that to Chris, uh, please get in touch with us here. <laughs> no, to this, no it's, it's for the show. It's for, it's for footnotes and the entity. That's what I'm saying. We, we have our, like, you know, our, uh, what you want to call it, like our callbacks, and this yeah. is one of them now. I'm saying it. The, the yeah, I think we need a show. physical copy of this too for you. So if anyone, oh, no, wants, sure. if anyone wants to buy this, please send it to yeah. me. And I will give it to Chris, I promise you. <laughs> and I will gladly accept it. Um, uh, yes. Let's move on to uh, talking about uh, The Matador Goes Rap. All right. We never really got into it, into it before. Like, it's come up now two weeks in a row, basically. And I think yeah. we owe it to everyone to do the full ascent, uh, the full assessment. And thankfully, yeah. we have an insider who provided us with a breakdown of Matador's rap releases. 
Yes. So, uh, Mr. Martin writes, uh, of course, in thorough detail with the the vast knowledge. Uh, writes the artists at the time were arsonists, nonfiction, large professor, Mr. Len, MC Paul Berman, and they had a twelve inch series, two large professor twelve inches, two sensational twelve inches, and a techno animal slash Dalek uh, split twelve inch and, and a techno animal LP. That was the oh he said here uh, destroy from the arsonists also put out two twelve inch after leaving the arsonists. So that was the um, the actual releases themselves uh, from that era of going rap for those who remember and those who care. Um, which was like you know pretty tasteful releases. No, I like I don't have all of these, but a few of those are strong. I think the arsonist stuff I remember being quite good. Um, Large professor school. Mr. Lens cool. Like it's, you know, it's, it's all fine. I think that sort of stuff was like, uh, ahead of its time as far as taste making is concerned, especially like if you look at what's kind of going on now, but, um, uh, techno animal is just kind of a cool shout out. Cause I believe, I think he was involved the whole way, but that's like Justin Broderick from Godflesh. It's pretty cool stuff. The techno animal stuff period is, is quite good, but those, that, uh, brotherhood of the bomb records quite, quite great um and again pretty hard record for a rap record like production wise was like pushing some boundaries so i think those yeah that era was quite important in terms of like what they were pushing but it is funny that it was now in hindsight it was just a blip they haven't really that i'm aware of haven't really done any since and any like rap related stuff no i don't think like i know there was an attempt early a couple years ago to sign like Someone that's now gone on to become a major player in R&B. Um, we're mad or we're like, went pretty hard trying to sign uh, them really early on. I don't know like, what I'm saying. The weekend. Like, Mad was, like, super yeah. early on to that. It was True Panther that was on to it. Um, and they were, like, super in early and stuff and in serious kind of conversations with them. But then nothing happened. Um, but, yeah, like, it, it, I think it was... Uh, experience that you know mr martin details a little bit more that we can't get into on air with some of the artists and it was just like uh uh issues of clashing personalities with some of the artists that they chose to work yeah seemingly yeah um and yeah like i think you know and it's also it's you know it's it's a it's a hard like world to just dabble your toe into. And I think, you know, you don't want to look like you're trying to exploit a culture that, you know, people build and work on. So, you know, I think they've, they've always been a little hesitant to get back into it. Gotcha. Understandable. Um, and like, it would be interesting if though, if they did sign another artist, um, especially now there's like, you know, so many artists right now, but I think it like, this new crop of young artists aren't even opting for labels. Seemingly no, yeah. There's definitely been, whatever, some huge smashes without labels. So who knows if that whole model is, as far as like that style of music is really going the way, I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't like that notion in my brain, but it also is kind of good on an artist's perspective that you wouldn't require one. So I get that 
that too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do you want another point, or should I get another one? Because that was kind of my point. No, I'm but good there. Which, uh, I forced you to uh, talk what? all through it. Okay, well, no, it's all good. Like the, uh, I don't know what else. Let me see here. Just looking at the list. <laughs> I like that you brought up unwritten law. Although I don't want to talk about unwritten law. I kind of wouldn't mind taking well, on unwritten do. law. Like, do you remember, were you a fan when they, when that record came out, the first one? The like, uh, I had it. Uh, I don't know if it was that one. I had what? What record is it? Let me see here. I will look it up cover. right now. I have the Blue Room record. That was the record I had on Red Eye. Red oh Eye. no, it was on a major too. It looks like issued. I so I, I guess it was on a major. The one. Yeah, like I remember when that. I'm trying to remember when that record came out. That was the one I had. That was also yeah, the one on Epic. Um. Yeah. So I did have this. This cover work is atrocious. That I is even thought so at the time. Artwork. Holy fuck. Yeah, oh it's really God. bad. This is like like shelter. I apologize completely. <laughs> There's like a way worse than you could have. Yep. Dude, yep. even the second, like even Oz Factor has like like pretty embarrassing yeah. art. Yeah, the uh I think it's not they're not to be fair here, like this group is not alone in having uh, the bad art of this era. I don't know if anyone like comes anywhere close. It was on a ma- was this on a major? It was on a major. Like, that's like what a what a time, you know, where that could have passed through like <laughs> yeah. many a corporate hand at Epic Records, and and everyone's like, this looks good to me. This looks good to me. Yeah, like- the cover of Oz Factor, like, I don't even know what's going on. It's like guy in a devil mask, an alien, and like a lobster, I think, at a table. It looks like they're playing chess. And, and, and that's like, Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz behind them. Yeah, it's uh, it's something. And uh, to make matters worse, it's uh, largely reddish-orange, if you're not already yeah. completely disgusted. It's like pyramids yeah. in the background. Yeah. That is so uh, a lot trash. of weird stuff going on. That is a yeah. I like that the third record they opted for the third record, the very small image in the center of the record, which is largely black, and it's like a sphinx. It's yeah. just like an icon, probably because uh, whomever was doing art direction was just like, "We'll just handle this. You go do your thing." Yeah, Interscope was like, "You know what, guys? Uh, we're not working with your artwork at all." Like, we're going <laughs> to sign you guys, but there's no fucking way we're putting this record out with anything. It's like, what should we put on it then? Yeah. It's like, I don't know. And so they just probably just typed in random to the clip art file. And we're like, okay, Sphinx. <laughs> it's like, oh, that looks really... Nothing doesn't really look that special. It's like, okay, put a sunburst behind it. Boom. Slap it. Put that out. <laughs> 500,000 copies. Yeah. They were on... Oh, but then they made the return. They were like, okay, listen, guys... Last record did really well, so when we put out Elva, we're going back to our artwork. Look at this one. Yeah, I I've looked at them all. I'm trying to find what was what came out in the year '98 on Interscope that was like the comparable. <laughs> like that's what I'm going through right now, which was like it's so hard because Interscope has like a billion releases. 
but I'm doing my best to try and look at this find cover, it. dude. Because I want it to be like you know, this is so bad. Yeah, it's it is. Cr- it's uh, yeah, I believe you, and I, I will get there. But I'm really I'm I'm on this case now. I want to see what else was coming out. <laughs> I think this one might out. be worse. Like definitely, maybe worse from a technical drawing perspective. Though it looks like it may be a painting. Um, <laughs> this looks like something that I would see at one of the vaporizer bars I hang out at. Like I really feel inspired <laughs> to do another dab. <laughs> yes, like this looks. Actually, this no, is no. I think that that vaporizer bar. I should not be so harsh. I think that description is the perfect description. This looks like – like that sentence is, is absolutely perfect. Dude, this looks um, like something that would be up in a, a pay-by-the-hour practice space. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. And like that yeah, font, a lot, like the, their name the, and the font is just like – it's just all throw fucking – just slapped on. I mean, yeah. It's like I said. I'm zooming in we're, on we're it right now. Of, we're kind of just going ape on the, the the cover art, but the only record I'm aware of is that first one. I do not remember a thing about it. I remember Have you being gone? mildly intrigued at the time, but I couldn't tell you a thing about that band since. Okay, look, look, like, okay, click, click on the art so you can go in. And, you know, they do those like sliding images so you can see the back cover and the actual CD itself. Which one am I looking at here? Uh, Elva. Elva. From 2001 yeah, on Interscope. Yeah, this looks like you're like going to the thrift store, you're flipping through all the CDs, you pick this up, oh. and it's just like someone has stuck three random non-related CDs together. Like it's like just like they lost the booklet, Yeah. so they stuck a random booklet in. Like the back <laughs> cover looks like it has no relationship to the front cover, and the disc doesn't look like it has any relationship. Save the name. The back, the back cover does look like Enya, and then like the front cover looks like i don't even know what <laughs> like, your, your friends i don't even think this in, i don't think high. but i don't think that cover is as bad as the early ones personally I, speaking. I don't know uh, dude i think that one's pretty fucking bad and listen they're all out of the park for being you know eyesores but i don't know i don't know if i'm with you on that fuck the next one's like offensive <laughs> oh my god from music in high places that's not offensive is it Click on the oh, yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> oh it's a little... Oh, my God, dude. Could, could be a little weird. It gets... It yeah, gets, so... It gets, like, look at Live in Lawless. What needless the to fuck say, is going on here? We don't... We didn't know a lot about this group. We're learning right now is what we're trying to express I have their first 7-inch, and it's awesome. That's why I wanted to talk about them. I didn't know all this other baggage was going to have to get opened up in the process. <laughs> Blur ninety three, which you scored recently, did you not? Yeah, I believe I just we spoke it. about it. I feel like I feel like Millhouse in that episode of The Simpsons where he just wanted to buy the card with the guy with the mustache on it. The fi- the the funny part about this unwritten law seven inch, which is also horrible looking, is that it is about ten times better looking than all the other releases. Dude, they it did. looks like <laughs> it looks yeah, like it, it looks like a Raymond Pettibon uh art piece <laughs> like compared and it's like yep. it's weird their art doesn't look as no no it looks denied looks pretty pretty shitty the CD single okay yeah, it's not good I think we're good on that I have a I yeah. have a topic to go to next 
Okay, if you've got a topic, because I can honestly look... I could dissect this artwork for the rest of the night, but that so let's move on. Yeah, before. but this this is a good one, and it actually is equally dissectable uh, in the opposite manner, which is the um, no effects is I heard they suck live. Dude, I was hoping you uh, that record, uh, I was hoping which that. is a good looking record by Coop. And I believe Coop did the artwork. Yeah, Coop. yeah. Which of course is why it's good, as a, as opposed to what other stuff we we're talking about. Um, also, whoever did the flyer for this show, which they have like whatever included in the liner notes that I remember, which is like an Evil Dead rip with the hand on, the, on Bruce Campbell's neck, is super cool. Uh, but yeah, this live record is is very, 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 very good, and I have not listened to it in a good while, but. Um, I do remember it being a standout live record when I got it and being very impressed. Yeah, I remember like this being the record that defined so much for me as a kid. Um, like for instance, I I just you know like I still like don't like Crass as much as Rudimentary Peni probably because of the stage banter on this record. When they talk about <laughs> Rudimentary Peni being the only good Crass band. Yes, I thought that that banter is funny. Did you just get the uh, uh, image I sent you, Chris? By the way, yeah, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> because we were communicating via a certain thing. I'm uh, yeah, Damien sent me a nice little uh, unwritten law uh, image. Dude, which, this is uh, like yeah, I, yes. it blows my mind that this came out on a major <laughs> label. Like it just is like, wow, dude, they would have put out anything at the time, like graphically. Like the music, you know, notwithstanding the music, you know, I like the, I like Unwritten Law, musically, but art-wise, this is like holy fuck, whoosh. <laughs> get over this, Chris. Anyway, yep. um, but you're right. Uh, back to the topic at hand. Yes, I just think it's a great record. I think again, I haven't listened to it in a good while. Tracklist is very good. It's got a good selection of sort of the. The sort of the proper period of no effects, I would argue. What about um, when he freestyles the lyrics to, uh, what are that that band from the Roxy? Yeah, band from the Roxy to be about the Gilman. Yeah, it's very good. It's very clever. It's uh, I don't know. I like it. I, I still have it. Again, I haven't listened to it in a very long time. But uh, you have it on vinyl. Cool record. No, no, sorry, I have it on CD from way back. But yeah. I think I don't have any of the. Record. Yeah, I don't think I have any of the NoFX stuff. Well, that's not true. I have the whole effects twelve inch for sure, but I don't know about anything else. Jealous of that, Chris. I somehow don't have. The, you don't have the whole effects one. No, it's on my want list. Oh, mm-hmm. I could have had so many of these, like all these singles. I never. I don't know. I just never bid on them at the time, and I don't. I can't be bothered now, but. I did have the opportunity recently to buy a longest line, which I passed up. But uh, I do think that EP is cool. But uh, yeah, anyway, heard this suck live, great record, uh, live record. I think it's probably. I was actually thinking it was in the wake of listening to that interview. It was sort of symbolizes for me kind of the end of the era of no effects that I really was keen on. I didn't like Heavy Petting Zoo or anything after all that much. Um, mm. So this is kind of like was my most intense period was from like rib to there. Although admittedly I got into rib much later, but 
I was in near near white trash when that came out just just after. Um, but yeah, was that the uh, longest line on purple gray vinyl by any chance, Chris? <laughs> I don't believe so. I didn't look. I just saw that it was. That's like a two thousand dollar thing, and I thought. And I thought, do I? No, no, it definitely wasn't that then. But I, I just thought to myself, you know, do this is something. Passed up another uh, record of that ilk sort of recently that I don't regret, but probably should, and that I also don't own, which was the Punk House single. And I just thought, I don't know, I just have too many records, so I don't know if this is one that I can fit right now. You know, I I still need an original. I have a test press of that, but I don't have any actual sleeve copy. I have a second press copy too. So Chris, you're passing up all yeah. my want list right now, buddy. <laughs> well, it's uh you know, go around your city, you'll find it, my friend. Yeah. That's where I am finding these. Well I don't I don't leave my house, so it's gonna be hard for me to find it. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. Uh no effects uh I've got yeah I've got a couple of these singles. The early uh seven inches that they put out and uh, you know, I have liberal animation, but I don't have any of the other records on vinyl. But I heard they suck live is one of my favorite records, uh, live records of all time. I agree. Um, song selection is ridiculous. They do a rudimentary P night cover kind of, um, and yeah. uh, it's like it just kind of yeah, it highlights them at like you know it's hard to say because they're a band that like a lot of people you know like have. You know, like, it'd be like, oh, they're not that great. Like, you know, but they have, like, a lot of cool kind of peaks and valleys in their career as far as, like, trying different things, you know? And, like, this is kind of, like, their their height of being this, like, skate punk band. And then the next thing they would transition to is, like, this, like, super political band before getting completely burnt out on that and transitioning into, like, this crazy party band and now it's like i don't know they're just like a a band that it's a fascinating band to follow as far as uh what they're going to wind up doing next but not yeah, the same way that you wonder what the melvins are going to be doing next what the melvins are going to be doing next <laughs> true yeah yes um, i think one of the most interesting moves in their catalog and rancids for that matter is that byo the choice to do a byo split series in 2002 when neither of those groups, although of course history of the BYO is, I'm assuming why they did it, but uh, I always thought that was an interesting move because mm-hmm. both of them were so much bigger than that I would imagine, and yet still did it. Yeah, anyway, they, were, they were huge. That was another. They were huge at the time, um, and it was yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a surprising move. You know, it felt like, uh, you know, but mind you, BYO before they had like. They had the Hot Water Music, music Leatherface one. They had had some other yeah, they, bands. They had, all, all of the, they had all of them, but I just mean it was still an interesting choice. Like, they didn't have to do that. If you could like, do you one know, with really, any band, like, who would you do? For which? What's your dream, like switcheroo, what's your dream BYO Switcheroo series? Like, if you could, you know, call BYO and be like, yo, bring, the, bring this back and do it like this. Like, who would you, who would you want to see cover each other's songs? Oh. I don't know. That's a good question, actually. Mind uh, Eraser, no warning. Would I'm be bands I love. Well, you're you're going okay. Like I'm going to bands that, that would be likely to do it. Like not so much those. Dude, but they they. I think we could definitely get those be, bands uh, to uh, do it. 
Maybe. What I mean is, in, in keeping of the era, so to speak, uh, for me it would be SNFU and someone else. I'm just trying to think of who the someone else would be. Who would be Good's counterpart for SNFU doing Um I just want to also shout out that the Swing and Utters Youth Brigade one is a great choice. Of the, that was a, a good uh, good move too. What about uh yeah? What about the volume like, two? Uh, you know, uh, at the drive-in, early at the drive-in, and uh, SNFU. No, actually, I have it. They would never do it, but in this era, it would have been sick. Uh, actually, a little earlier would have been even better, but definitely this era would have been sick. Uh, Propaganda SNFU. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. I think Propagandi, though, would have wanted to do, like, them and uh, Sacrifice or them and Slaughter. Yeah. But um, I think, like, they it would have they would have done well to each other's things. Although, no obviously, like, was... yeah, that would have been good, too, actually. I could have seen that. That would work. Uh, I would say uh, DBS and Five Knuckle Chuckle for me. <laughs> oh, DBS, so wonderful. Um, I'm trying to think of a band I like on that level of DBS that I think would do a good job. I'm trying to think of groups that would work with that. Hmm, that's a good question. Anyway, this is funny. Yeah, I got the best one, but I'm not going to say it on the show because it would be too controversial. We'll tell it <laughs> say for after the show. <laughs> okay. I don't mean controversial because it's sketchy. I mean controversial because it involves bands that it would get back to and they would be bummed. Um, but it would be. <laughs> uh, but no, there's like a lot. Right. Of, like this, I, this to me is like uh, a topic that I would I could really get in on. Like thinking about like, dude, a Nepsi and Poison idea. Oh, if we're going like yeah, like that. You know, I don't see any of this that being realistic to the scenario. But no, yes, but, yeah, let's just play fantasy, fantasy book it. Okay. Uh, ooh. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like I, I like Nazi okay. poisoning would be interesting. I would. Uh, let me see here. No warning. Ill blood era. A mind eraser cave era. <laughs> yep, that'd be great. Because I think cave um, kind of sounds like a power violence. Ill blood. Yeah, I guess it's both. They're both incredible. I have yeah. no. It's a great record. Great yeah. band. Both yeah. great bands. <laughs> um, man, I would like to see. I am I. This is a tough one to think about. This idea of like almost a mashup, or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, like, I like this. Like, I'm brain dead right now. I can't think of it. Would be a cool band to like. You would want to see cover another cool band you know like like that's what i yeah or like what songs seem like interchangeable or like they would relate to each other yeah yeah it's a difficult one for that reason i can't i want to say like shark attack and somebody oh, but i'm trying cool. to think of the and somebody shark attack violent minds maybe even though that's sort of incestuous i think that'd be interesting yeah just hearing like um, sing those songs instead of instead of yeah. zach and Zach's and or vice versa. Yeah. Zach's always had like one of my favorite voices in music. I like Summers' voice too, but like, yeah, those those Violent Minds records are like ridiculous. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, we're, we're, we we got we got it. We nailed it. I, there's like a lot more <laughs> I could think about too, because now I'm like, ooh, what would you do if you could get like, uh, 
you know, like a Japanese band doing it too. <laughs> of yeah. course. So anyway, I never thought go. you would go there. This could go on forever. <laughs> this could go on forever, Chris. We should move on. Yeah. Uh, so I'll take another quick point. Uh, Walter uh, plays like he has zero care because I do believe he generally has zero care, and it is. Is very inspiring to see. I do agree with you too, on your talking about his bass playing during youth today. <laughs> it's amazing. It's like one of the most free stage performances out there in music. Like he is, yep. he's on another level. Like, like it's awesome watching him play. <laughs> it's awesome watching him play in every band. Like, talk about someone that just has such a natural charisma when it comes to being like a front person. Yeah, he's a, he's just a great performer. I agree. Yeah, and a friend um, of the show. A three-time anyway. three member. Yeah. yeah, that's true, actually. He's that three-time, I forgot. Three two time. main and one live? Is that, that, that the breakdown? Two main and one live, which is, uh, you know, I think that's 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 the that's what we have now. I think that's all the three-timers are like in, in podcast history are those people that have done that. It's a rare break, gotcha. the three-timer. Yeah. And for turn to punk. Anyway, this is a boring conversation. It's a three timer club. <laughs> Wait, do we have a couple more <laughs> entries? Then we'll do we'll do a full breakdown of the three timer club. Um anyway, what uh yeah. where should we go now? Should I go back to the unreal? I don't know. Law, I sort uh, of chucked a few go through more of the art. <laughs> nope. I think we're I think we covered that. <laughs> um Yeah, I don't know. You gotta grab a point here. I'm trying to think. Uh uh, we sort of touched on a lot of this stuff. Uh, have we ever... Um, it'll be a cool Switcheroo series thing. Agnostic Front and Iron Cross. <laughs> yes, of course. That would be good. I'm surprised that never really happened, actually. Like, Because they both... Even Iron Cross started doing stuff again, or arguably still is, or something. So, Well, Chris, that's why... We, you got to become the ANR for BYO so we can make these. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure in 2018 that's a huge demand. <laughs> that that thought, <laughs> I think that would have been perfect, like in the late 80s, early 90s, maybe. I don't know. I can. I'm. I think this is a real fertile. This is the next love th- love songs for us. So like, people out there, send in your um, BYO Switcheroo series. That Switcheroo thing was kind of ape from that, eh? <laughs> I don't know. I never thought about that till just now. But yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think it was like literally because I don't like those specific BYO whatevers. I don't really see being on on like a you know that they're you know um, it, it was sort a of a slight one. yeah a little bit. But I don't. I don't know. Maybe that, I don't know that hot water record. I would love to find out the numbers on that one because I think. You know, obviously, probably the No Effects one sold more, but that record was everywhere. That Leatherface, that might be one of the better selling Leatherface records ever domestically. Yeah, that was a clever idea, though. That was, that was a good pairing of groups that oh, yeah. made sense. Like, that was a really, really sound idea, in my opinion. Yeah, those ones are, that's like the one that inspired my, uh, my, my thought about bands you'd love to see cover each other. Yeah. You know, I like this topic. I can't think of, uh, I can't think of, I think they're pretty. It's funny that that's. I didn't realize that was the first one. Yeah, that's one, and then Swing Outers Youth Brigade. Yes, it's a great pairing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, 
Yeah, I like this. If people can think of a good uh, whatever mashup, however you want to say it, of this kind of thing in the BYO volume series, send them in. Yes. Turn out a punk footnotes at gmail.com. Send in those. Send in uh, submissions for the worst punk cover art of all time. <laughs> uh, right now, I think Un- Unwritten Law has got to run away with that crown. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, yeah, I like this. I like where you're going with that. <laughs> that's like the one time when a band reissues the record. You're like, I hope they change the cover. Yep. Like, it- really. Yeah, let's move on. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess we're kind of also hitting a wrap-up point on this show because yeah, we have, man, we've been going for close to two hours at this point, Chris. Um, I don't think close to. I think we're we're beyond. I believe we're we're yeah we're 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 in the the heady heady time of night or early day, depending on when you're listening to this. Yeah. Uh, so, do you want to get the last point, Chris? Uh, I'm out of them. You you got one. Jump on it. Okay. I you could go on certain things. Trail of Dead. We kind of touched on the Trans Syndicate stuff. I'm trying to think what else. I've got I've got one more. I like that you just have a point here that just says fucked up. So what was the point about fucked up? David? They mentioned us. That's why. Like these, <laughs> a lot of these new notes are just like me meant writing bands. So when I go into the playlist, I know who to put on. Yes. No. No. It's good. I just like. Yep. Fucked up. Okay. Got that covered. Were you a fan of Shock? No. I like. I know the name. Yeah, Never band, really. Band passed me by too. Kind of the time. Um, but then, you know, I, I think I really like them. You know, like I think they were doing a new wave kind of vibe too. It was just at a time when I was like all about youth crew. Yeah, I think it was the one thing I would say, sort of even related to the GSL thing and Le Shock and that, whatever. I think there was like, I didn't experience this so much where I'm from, but it was very vivid the idea that for me anyway, there was like very separate scenes that were at least one seemingly a, a fairly opposed to the other. I don't know if I could call a group like Le Shock like a white belt band, so to speak, quote unquote, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to use a 90s or whatever early 2K term. But I think that was like something that I look back on some of this stuff and I think it's a little silly because some of it wasn't just that kind of a thing. But, you know, I get why there's definitely different like, you know, quote unquote fan bases. And I think that that was part of the I don't know what the word is like, like. You know, part of the divide was just that, you know, sort of what I believe that your, you know, your group comes from being like fucked up and, and groups of that nature kind of came out of like, not necessarily even a reaction to this, but certainly an angrier, you know, more uh, raging standpoint than some of the stuff on the other side. It's not to say that some of it wasn't great as is, but. So when when people look back or reminisce like you and I, I think there's a bit of an apprehension to kind of, I don't know, shoot too much praise sometimes on certain things, which is probably a little foolish in our adult years, at least for me, speaking on my behalf. Yeah, no, I, I agree as well. Like I, uh, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how else to sum it up. I mean, for people of, of a certain age group, they will understand this for yeah. Younger people, maybe not so much, and I'm not trying to say that to condescend. I just, 
I think there was something of that era. If you didn't kind of experience it, you don't really know what was sort of like, you know, irritating about it. And in hindsight, it wasn't really that bad. Some of it, maybe some of it was, but uh, she just felt so important back then that, and this probably just comes with age that you realize now is just like so fucking petty and so minor. Well, I think what I would argue is it's just it's the usual case of just it's it's different tastes for people. I think some people like, you know, like, you know, meat and potatoes type of like punk hardcore and that's what they go for. And I think that there was a certain wave of it of which your group was a part that was really inspiring to say people like me. And that was, in my opinion, a reaction to some of the stuff that was either slightly before or not sonically in league with. So there became this divide, even though ultimately I think most of the people were fairly like-minded on both sides. Yeah. But the sonic divide was one that, you know, in a younger years or to younger people in specific seemed to be a pretty divisive thing. And I'm sure there's other regional, you know, beefs and all that nonsense that existed or exists still, who knows, but... So it just it's weird to reminisce on some of this stuff because I I can't claim to have been like super gung ho about some of it, but some of it I'm into and some of it in hindsight I think is really great or or is aged well, and then you know I still end up being like a boring adult guy that likes you know dumb hardcore ultimately. So yeah, like I, don't I think know how so much frame. well so much to find you as a person back then based on like not just what you like but also what you didn't like and what you were like kind of like staunchly not a fan of but i think i think like that is i fully agree and i think that is important i think for for people of a certain age to to be that way though it's the idea of like you know killing your idols so to speak you know it's it's that's the way it works you you know the the next generation you know eats the generation before however you want to say it it's that's you know, it's, it's a rite of passage. But yeah, I, I do think some of it was a bit more polarized than, like, say, you know, the quote unquote, like the scene is now, at least the, the scene that I experience as far as punk hardcore is concerned. It seems to be much more like, you know, open, a little less rigid, a little, a little more open. Not to say that there's still not, you know, some issues. Not that I can speak for everything, but it, it's just there's there's certainly less from my point of view of like the idea of like a whole other scene that isn't of mine, quote unquote, whereas it felt like that. And for me, at least in like the, you know, whatever early two thousands for a point, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. perhaps wrongly, perhaps not. I don't know. I just, Nothing wrongly. that's my, you know, like I've come yeah. to realize like now over time that, you know, like so much of that stuff is just like, I don't know, it just comes in almost like a place of insecurity, at least on my end. Yeah, I, I do think, like, some people like what they like, and, I, you know, preference is whatever. It's subjective, so it, it ultimately doesn't really matter. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's that That's my only really, like, you know, if we, we're, since we seem to be getting into deep thoughts here, that's my only thoughts on some of the stuff we were touching on tonight, that, it, that that's, I didn't really live that world. So it's hard to really comment on it objectively, like I know what I'm talking about thoroughly. When I, I not, it wasn't really my cup of tea at the time. Some of, it, like some of it. Yeah, I've always loved. Uh, that's what I love about this podcast because it gives me a chance to explore parts of this subculture that I had no relationship to at all. 
Yeah. And people's experiences in this are so different, right? And and just for, you know, that's that's hopefully like what the show gets, you know, to the core of is that, you know, there are some universals, but then there's also like some completely different experiences everyone has in relationship to this music. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I wrote off a lot of stuff at the time for whatever reason that now in hindsight, I realized a lot more in line with where I was at or definitely where I'm at now. And so I got to go back and listen to shock. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to center it with shock here. Just, you know what I mean? The, uh, they're just a, a signifier, so to speak of, of some of that stuff. Yeah. Well, and also like, yeah, when you're removed from the people, you know, yeah. you're just getting it from the fans. And as former guest and one of the greatest Canadian uh, songwriters or members of a, one of the greatest Canadian songwriting bands of all time. It's not the band I hate, it's the fans, you know, and it's like the fans are so much worse than the people <laughs> in the bands yeah. a lot of times. Most of the yes. time in my experience. In, yeah. Yeah, I think that's well said. That That's, uh, it is a phenomenal lyric. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want it to seem like like I, you know, I'm hugely opposed to any of this stuff either. Just I don't know. That, those are my thoughts in in relation to some of the stuff coming up. Yeah, those are my kind of uh, you know feelings as well. Um, uh, I guess that's it tonight for tonight, Chris. Right? I think we've exhausted. I think that whole <laughs> that whole thing signaled the end. If anything, yeah, because we also we peaked early with this discovery of Unwritten Laws uh, graphic catalog. <laughs> you know, like it was really hard to kind of you know. I'm still thinking about this stuff yeah <laughs> <laughs> well anyway uh we will be back next week with another episode talking about uh chris number two from the band anti-flag uh who i believe you've you've toured with them right with no alexis? have not have oh not. really because they tour oh. alexis toured with them tons of times right apparently yeah I, I guess after sort of my leg in but yeah dude it, did not tour with them sorry it's a fun episode we get into some cool stuff there's like a lot of uh a lot of stuff for us to unpack on footnotes next week Um, nice and then uh you know a week after that got some something else coming up something we got that something else coming up we got we got a bunch of cool stuff lined up so and it keeps the hits keep on coming (laughs) nice (laughs) um but that's it chris anything else how do people get in touch with us here i guess yeah, you can write us at turnedoutapunkfootnotes at gmail.com. As you heard earlier, we got a lot of great stuff in keeping with what we were talking about. Of course, we've now spawned some new topics, perhaps, that you want to uh, maybe chime in on. Feel free. And uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on various forms of social media, at left for damien Also, I've just started the Punk Wrestling Connection Instagram, where I will be posting... Uh, pictures and and ephemera and just just everything that continues to support my argument, which gains speed like a snowball hurtling down a snow covered hill, which is that wrestling, professional wrestling, that is, is the most punk adjacent physical activity, and that's what we're going to be celebrating on this Instagram. Can I rely on you for a follow, Chris? Okay. <laughs> There's some cool stuff. There's some like funny shit. Uh, I, don't so- I don't have social media. If I did, sure. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh yeah, sure. Okay, that's right. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I did find a picture recently, for instance, of Raven wearing a Melvin shirt. <laughs> well, I am. Uh, I'm very curious. Uh, I'm never shocked when you bring up one thing after another about this, and it just seems to be gaining ground. Yes. Ground. Yes, so there's now an Instagram account to celebrate this thing. You can also support this podcast by subscribing to it, writing a review for it, and rating it on iTunes. And uh, that's it. We will see you next week. One second, Chris. I'm trying to turn it off. Um, So in the last sort of decade plus, two decades. Again, like for me, it's just sonically I wasn't as into it. It's not to say that, you know, for me, I just don't think it's sonically in like the early whatever, what that label was known for. So that was more my kind of gripe or whatever you want to say. But mm-hmm. um, And that's why I like the kind of the, the sort of knucklehead era of the victory stuff to a degree. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. uh, I think it might happen in 1991, 92. They don't really. They put out ones. Uh, they put out an ice burn seven. It's the only thing they put out in nineteen ninety one. So, it does not happen in nineteen ninety one. Yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one, one yep. release. It's like, yeah, this is all the world needs from us this year. <laughs> uh, it's a good single, though. I'm not. I'm not just talking the single, but. Yeah. Well, the joke here would be that it probably took the whole year to listen to the one song on that seven inch <laughs> because it's probably. 365 days long. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. They put out, they went in deep, but I guess 1993 would be the point. Yeah, around that's there. Earth exactly. Crisis, Firestorm, Snapcase, Looking Glass, Self. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, Only the Strong. Only the Strong. Uh, Warzone Live. Yeah. It actually is. It's 93, because they both start with Warzone. Yeah. <laughs> like, basically... It's like, oh, it's 93. Okay, does Warzone start this off again? Yep, here we yeah. go. Warzone. Warzone made the jump. Warzone was like the... the uh, Warzone could tell which way the wind was blowing. <laughs> like, yeah, they true. had been on a major label and they had done some weird stuff. <laughs> they, <laughs> yeah. they were like, at this point, they were like, okay, we're back. And we're not going to go back to Rev. <laughs> There's these new guys in town. And that's where we're going to take this party. Yep. Yeah, so it's around 93. I think you got a good argument. Rev... Beginning to 93, and then 93 to 2000-ish, I would say, is victory territory in that debate of them versus one another. And then it's some, I don't know when it then flips back, but yeah. It's kind of like wrestling with WCW versus WWE. <laughs> WWE I, after the time. You know, it's like, fitting, that analogy. It actually really is. I do it, like, it overtakes it for a little bit, but then ultimately like Rev yeah. comes back and... and, and you know, crushes it with it, its relevancy compared to some of Victory's weirdness. Well, yeah, and I think it just became, they became very, very different things ultimately. Like, you know, they, they were just signing, well, they were signing different kind of bands, but they were also signing bands, like, of the era. One of them was really kind of seemingly going for, like, a really, really big commercial um whatever you want to say, like like reaching, trying to reach that commercial thing. I don't know if Rev, I mean, I'm sure every record label tries to a degree, but like, you know, there's nothing, I don't know. Like I just remember, to, again, back to touring in the early 2000s, 
adjacent to some of these the the records like the bands that victory were putting out it was like insane some of the groups that i was like seeing them put out that would explode mm-hmm. and it was just stuff that was just nothing like the era we're discussing here yeah like of course even with the era, yeah, sorry. No, I was just going to say the, the like the era that we're saying they become irrelevant is when they become massively successful. Exactly, yeah, and that's the irony to people like you and I. Yeah, that's the case. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, and it's I don't know I commercially or whatever you know who's to say who's wrong here. But I I just I didn't vibe with any of that stuff personally. But um, and they always put out they always did take shots on stuff and they always had like weird releases, but. Um, I don't know. It got very weird, <laughs> probably about like 2000 up. Like it just started getting crazy. Yeah. Like there's this like, like new label they have, I guess. And, uh, it's like a, uh, it's like a pop punk label. It's called mutant league. Oh, I don't even know. Okay. And, uh, there's like, I don't know. It's really weird. There's like, uh, like like it's just like homegrown's on it. What's okay. the same homegrown like the California pop punk band? I don't know, maybe. And a band called Crywank. <laughs> okay. And, and Movie Life is on there too. Oh, and it's like they've weird. got all these sub labels. Huh. Another Victory Inc. They put it a day to remember. Yeah, I don't oh, know. That's their publishing I... arm. Sorry. <laughs> 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 I think we're winding down on this topic now. I think we've yeah, I think we are. I think, I think you can hear the air <laughs> leaving the balloon right now. Yeah, with this one. But that was a hot topic for a while. Yep, pun intended. Pun All right, totally intended when you talk about victory. <laughs> uh, I guess that's it. Should that, is that? Should we want to get to any Kevin Drew stuff or? I don't know. I think we should wrap because I think we we mind that enough. But if you want it, I don't know. If no, you we'll want see. to talk about some, sure. No, we'll see. You can save it for another day because I, I feel he didn't really get a footnotes. No, like, I mean, sort of... we can certainly... Yeah. And actually, nor did Freddie Alva, too, for that matter, but we kind of talked about that a little bit. Like, there was some, I'm yeah. sure, other stuff we could get to for both those episodes. But, Chris, this is a long one. Yeah. So we should we should probably let people uh, move <laughs> yeah. on with their lives and stop yeah, worrying exactly. about victory versus revelation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally. Um, well, everyone, thank you for joining us in the protective bubble where things like victory or rev becomes important that we like to call turn it a punk footnotes. Uh, yeah. We please... just figured it out though. Was that, we did figure we it out. We did figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. We did. I think that's the thing is like, we've now finally, we put that one to bed. I think so. Personally. I think so. Like, like no one, well, now that I said that someone's going to come with an email, but like, I really, <laughs> I, I will accept arguments like both Chris and I, I think we'll accept arguments, but like, you know, as assured as we are that Off the Disc is the greatest hardcore record label of all time, <laughs> we are assured that we have now cracked the Rev Victory <laughs> debate. I have no comment on that, but it's amusing. Dude, go, well, next time we get on the show, we'll go through the Discogs of that. That is an incredible catalog. Yes, of course. Infest. Yeah. Dude, it's not even like Infest, Sleep, uh, Morbid Angel. Yeah, uh, like it's, it's it's those last two aren't hardcore bands or punk bands, but go but, on. But like the fact that he connects them to hardcore and punk. Yes, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the fact that they've got that root there, you know. Anyway, yeah, we can get onto this next. This is a topic for another day. 
Uh, <laughs> next week on the show, we've got a, an amazing episode. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Uh, it's one of my favorite bands, a band that I don't know, uh, Chris, n- you know, not as not a big an impact on your life as they had on mine. No. Uh, yeah. But I think they had a big impact on a lot of other people's lives. And that is Blake from Jawbreaker will be on the show next week. And, uh, you know, Chris, even if you're not the biggest Jawbreaker fan, I think you, I, I don't think, I know you're a fan of some of the stuff he talks about, of all the stuff. Oh, he talks sure. About. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like, I'm not saying it to be like a cool guy that's like, you know, making a point to say I'm not a fan of the group. I just, I've never, I've never been that guy. So it's just, I, it's, it's like a, uh, it just never hit me. Yeah, and it's I not to it. say I think they're. I don't feel. I don't feel they're a bad band. I just never, never got into it. I get it, but you're going to get into it next week, buddy. All oh, right. Oh, you better believe it. Um, <laughs> that is next week on the show. Uh, how do they get in touch with us here, Chris? If they want to send us an email, uh, they can reach us at turnedoutapunkfootnotes at gmail dot com, and I welcome your bizarre theories on Rev versus Victory. Um, and you can find me on various forms of social media <clears throat> at Left for Damien. I too welcome your uh, bizarre theories about Rev versus Victory <laughs> and any other things you want to talk about of that nature. I've had a pretty active timeline the last couple of days. In, in, thanks to the Stormy <laughs> King episode. I'm going to say this is the most controversial episode we've ever had. Um, you think? I don't think so. Well, just because of this thing. Oh, yeah, okay. Well. You know, this is the, this is the hot debate this week on my timeline. Um, okay, gotcha, yeah. So, and I think that's, that's it. Uh, yeah. Uh, and if you want to follow Chris on social media, you can follow him at, at mind your own damn business. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, uh, if you would like to send us a message at Facebook, my brother, Tristan Abraham, show producer, runs yes. a Facebook page, send him messages. He's been killing it with guest booking lately. Yes. Um, <clears throat> you can imagine that Brody King was one of my bookings, but. He's he's got a lot of people and more keep coming and uh, yeah it's gonna it, Chris knows Chris knows what's coming up. I know how important uh, your brother is to this operation and I think he's a lovely human being. So yes, props always. Yeah, and so we've got Blake next week, um, and then we've got a couple that I think are going to uh, you know be kind of surprises for people. Yeah, I think so. So anyway, that's in the near future. Thank you everyone for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye.